Blog Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, Thomas de Caballeros. With another edition of Levering Radio, I'm your host Dave Duenas with my co-host Emil Carr and Kenny T. Uh, it's glad to be back. We got a stacked show for everybody. We got uh, the uh, IBF Super Middleweight uh, Champion uh, Caleb Plant. He's going to be coming on and responding back to last week's uh, WBC Superweight Middleweight Champion David Benavides. Uh, responding back to what David Benavides had to say about him, mentioning that he's the weakest link in his division, also that he can knock him out. So Caleb Plant definitely has some words to say about that, if, if he can definitely, uh, you know, get on and talk to us here on Leaving the Ring. Also, we got the junior light uh, welterweight, Brandon Lee, uh, half Korean, half Mexican. Uh, he's bringing a lot of noise. He's got a beautiful, fantastic right hand. He's fighting on Showtime uh, this Friday on March 13th. And then we got the trainer, the man that got Andy Ruiz, helped him out helped him get the unification of the heavyweight division, uh, Manny uh, Robles is going to be coming on here and talking to us a bit here on Leaving the Ring. And like always, we're going to discuss what happened past weekend on the zone on uh, PBC Championship Fights. Who would have ever thought Robert Hellenius was going to knock out, you know, Adam Nonowski? Uh, I, I didn't see it coming. I mean, before we came on the air here, Milkar, you said, hey, that's what happens. We don't got any head movement. And I'm like, no shit, huh? That does happen and stuff. But, you know, he was always <laughs> betting on guys that he had a granite chin. And, and, and he put too much, a little bit stock into that. All the eggs were in one basket. And guess what? They end up cracking. Milkar, I mean, I know you said, yes, what happens when your head doesn't move. But did you see that coming? Well, I saw it coming during about the second round, I'm like, this guy's eating too many flush shots and is not, you know, displaying any kind of head movement whatsoever. Look, heavyweight boxing is a a big beast. I mean, it's a very different than the lower weight division. Even in the lower weight divisions, guys get caught cold, but you know, you can't just repeatedly take right hands like that flush on the chin and to the side of the head and it not have an effect on you in, in heavyweight boxing. So, right. you know, back to the drawing board, he's really got to, if anything, I would study Mike Tyson, you know, start working on the hips movement, the shoulder movement, the head movement, because if you're a shorter guy, you want to get inside, you got to approach it in a scientific kind of tactical way. You can't just be going forward. With your chin out in front, uh, expecting to, to absorb shots like that. So, you know, it, it was a big upset. But he, realistically, the way he was fighting, you know, very few people could fight like that effectively. I mean, it was a shocker. It it was a shocker, and it definitely. I mean, oh God, if your only if your only defense is going to be your jaw. You know what I mean? That's just, yeah. <laughs> that's just the smartest way to box, right? It's not the smartest way to box. I mean, no. I thought that I thought Hellenius was going to last a few rounds, but seeing that his track record, he's been stopped before, he's been knocked out, and and in brutal fashion. It wasn't like you know 
um, somebody threw in the towel or, or he got TKO, the ref stepped in. I mean, he was laid out. He's been put out. Uh, so, and then seeing, you know, Adam get in there with Chris the Nightmare, we didn't even know, we didn't, we really didn't know how much was less, less than Chris the Nightmare Oriella. But we knew that Chris is always game. He always comes to fight. He throws a volume amount of punches. Um, he also has been known to have a, a very sturdy chin. But, but this is the heavyweight division here, right, guys? I mean, Kenny, heavyweights are not only – they're just not going to chip away the block. They're going to knock out – they're going to take off large amounts of chunks of the block. Uh, definitely, definitely. I, uh, um, I agree with both of you guys. Uh, uh, it's, it was definitely an, a, a super shocking moment for me. I did not see it going that way. Uh, Kaunaki looked to be in control in the first two rounds. But like you said, he was getting pounded on. Uh, and he, yeah, he was pounding on Hellenius too, but Hellenius was using a lot more defense. Uh, he was definitely bobbing and weaving, moving in and out, out of the way, and he was trying to use the jab and counter him with hooks and uppercuts. And it was, it was working, you know. It's just, yeah, Kanaki was just taking all the damage that Hellenius had to give. And like you guys said, no head movement. He was getting pounded to the body and to the face and trying to just come forward. And it's just, yeah, it was just too much damage. It's like you guys said, it's the heavyweight division. I, I, I don't know what he was expecting. I wouldn't go in there without trying to learn a little bit of defense. Uh, he definitely has Something, to make right? some changes and change his approach. Yeah, yeah, I definitely. Think, he has I to think change there's his a lot of the next fight. Right, and I think what is a lot that came to the table, especially on fight night, or especially when the contract was signed that he was going to be facing Mokar, was that there was no respect there, right? I mean, I think that 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 was the lack of what we saw was he went in there thinking, I could take this guy's punches, and I should have a knockout reel over this guy because other, other contenders have been able to do it. Yeah, I mean... Um... The Gerald Washington uh, fight was probably eye-opening for Konaki, but in the wrong way. I mean, just assuming that, you know, he'd be able to go in there and kind of get a KO victory like that. You know, Dillian White as well. Although the Dillian White fight, uh, it should have shown people that Hellenius is actually pretty tough. I mean, it went the distance, if my right. memory serves correctly. It was a... I thought that Dillian White clearly got the victory, but it was a tough fight, you know, a very physical fight. And Hellenius took a lot of Dillian White shots. Um, quick question for you guys. Any chance that Adam Kalnaki releases a video to his fans proclaiming himself a king and promising that he will return to the throne <laughs> once more? <laughs> I doubt it. I doubt it. In AK, in AK Nation out, out here in, in Brooklyn or, or across uh, the Polish I think. I think I think Emil Carr, if anything, we're, we're probably more likely going to get a video released of him eating a couple of Polish dogs, but of him calling yeah. himself a king and, you know, telling the rest of his fans, don't worry, we will rise again. I don't think I, I don't see that happening at all. <laughs> I, I just don't see that happening either, man. This, it was such a shocker for me. I, like we all knew Hellenius was tough, but still, man, it was such a shocker for me. Uh, I literally thought Kalnaki was winning up until that counter landed where he got buzzed, and then it was all downhill. All in the same round from there, it was all downhill. You mean it wasn't, it wasn't a call to knockdown? Because that was it a wasn't knockdown. A knockdown, right? It was a knockdown. It, it was, was a knockdown. Yeah. And then when he got back up, which started off with a left hook, it was a very short left hook that caught him. 
and they didn't call it a knockdown. Then he gets back up and gets caught again with another little short left hook, and he goes down. And then it was all downhill, like you just mentioned, Kenny. It was all downhill from there. Hey, really quick, don't forget to please subscribe to the channel here on YouTube and also uh, hit the like button. And don't be scared to hit the little notification bell so that anytime that we're live, it will notify you when we're here live on Leave the Ring or when we drop another video, uh, uh, you know, from all the other shows that uh, circuit through the network. Um, guys, I got to tell you this really quick. And anybody that's listening, if I'm a betting man, I'm going to start betting some real money on the underdogs in PBC because if anything, anything, PBC <laughs> Championship has kind of shown that they give their opportunities to these real life underdogs. It's not like they're picking lightweights here. They're picking guys that really do show up to fight, not just collect a paycheck here at Milcar. No, I agree. You know, they, they, they match their guys pretty tough, but you know what? I've always been impressed by the PBC's uh, delivery in terms of solid cards. Uh, hmm. Top to bottom. Right. I, I think that they've delivered quality content throughout, uh, the, especially the last couple of years, or I even say the past, Three years, I've I've always enjoyed watching PBC cards. They had a bit of a rocky start early on, although I don't right. think that was related to to uh, competitiveness of the fights. It was more, you know, production issues and commentators trying to get, you know, their feet wet or at least become more comfortable. But there, it's it's been smooth, man. I mean, I've I, as a fan of the sport, I thoroughly enjoy watching PBC. I agree. Same couldn't here. agree with you more. Yeah, same, same here. I mean, every time we watch it, every time we sit down to check out a card, and really from top and bottom, you do see a, a, a you know a couple of these fight cards uh, that are suspect, you know. And and but the majority of time, you look at a guy and you're going like, huh, this might be interesting. I'm not really sure. Let me check it out. I I I now tend to believe that these PBC cards that are happening, uh, they're pretty much on my don't miss hit. Uh, must TV list, you know, where the zone it's a hit and miss, you don't know what really what you're going to get with the zone sometimes. Um, the names on paper seem like they're going to be they're going to mesh well, but that doesn't really happen. I mean, so far, we had you know, round of the year with PBC. Um, uh, we've also had uh, I believe it was upset of the year on a PBC, and then you got this spectacular knockout that was, I would second, I would say, a second up runner for upset of the year as well on PBC. Ooh. Yeah, I, I agree. It's it, it's been solid stuff, and you know, as much as I like a lot of the product and and content that Top Rank pulls out, I, I I have not been as impressed with ESPN Plus and what I get through that and through Top Rank as I have with PBC on Fox and on FS1. You know, and we're going to be speaking to another uh, PBC fighter la- later on, and I'm excited to speak to. You know, his stuff has been on FS1, and they've been solid as well. Yeah, I'm just they happy have, for man. the boxing that's coming. I'm just happy that the, for the boxing that's coming, you know. Um, you guys uh, definitely pay much, much closer attention to the different channels and networks and what they offer all the time. I'm just happy that uh, 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 boxing is definitely starting to take, like warm up for the year. Uh, we're starting to get a lot of the fights that you want to see. In fact, a uh, fight that comes straight to mind that me and uh, Milcar were talking about from like two or three years ago uh, it was uh, Billy Joe Saunders and Canelo. I'm so happy that that one was made. 
because uh, well, it's not officially since, made here though. Uh, uh, Kenny, they still haven't officially announced it. The, you know, it's still circuit. Uh, it's, if I if I've seen it correctly, it's still being circuit that it's still that Canelo or her got pissed off at the media. But hey, let me before we get into that on that because I am excited about that fight as well. Let me pass in our first guest here on Leaving the Ring. I believe we have Caleb Plant, the IBF super middleweight champion of the world. Are you there, brother? Yes, sir, I'm here. How you doing, man? Hey, thanks for coming on. I really appreciate it, man. You taking uh, the time uh, out, man, in your life here to talk to us here on Leave the Ring, brother. Yeah, definitely. I appreciate you guys for having me on. Thank you. So no my, doubt, my name is da- so my name is Dave Duenas. My co-host is Emil Carr, and then we got Kenny T, our producer here online with us, bro. Um, I don't know if you had a chance. I don't know if Mauro Sereno uh, sent you the audio clip of uh, – we had David Benavides, the WBC super uh, middleweight champ here on the show last week. And he immediately brought up your name, and he was like, you know, well, he had asked him about what he, what his thoughts about the whole division, and he had mentioned your name, and he said that you were like at the bottom of his list of the division, that you were the weakest of the, in the division. What, what do you what do you think about that? What do you what do you say to that back to him? I mean, that's just his opinion, I guess. I've never been dropped by Ronald Graville, and I've never lost my world title to cocaine and I don't blow up to 230 pounds in between fights. So, you know, I Sam, I'm disciplined, you know, I think I'm a well-rounded fighter. I can fight out the front foot, out the back foot. You guys seen that I can pot shot and do well. I can throw punches and combinations and do well. My defense, my ring IQ, you know, I feel like I'm a pretty, pretty well-rounded, uh, well-rounded dude. You think that in some sense he wants to get underneath your skin to hopefully make that match with you? Because, I mean, he was really quick to say he wouldn't knock you out if ever the chance you guys stepped into the ring. He's supposed to say that, you know. Right. So you got to be, you know, he, he couldn't knock out. Uh, like the first time he fought Ronald Graville, that was a pick and fight. He was supposed to kill Ronald Graville, you know. And then he fights – Anthony Durrell, and, you know, he's losing rounds against him. And then Anthony Durrell, you know, he had been cut over his eye, over his eyes in the last two out of his three fights. So that was, you know, pretty bound to happen. And But he was uh, getting outboxed by him, you know. So, so I don't know. <laughs> it, it, it like has to do better than that, move, though, man. you know, to try and say what? No, continue forward. Go, go for it. Uh, I was just saying, you know, he's having tough rounds and, you know, against guys that he's supposed to kill. And, you know, he, you know, he just got he an announcement. Me out. Let, let me ask you this, because he just, he just got his fight uh, scheduled, and he's going to be fighting um, the kid that fought uh, Ramirez. At, 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 uh, what's his last name? Uh, Alexis Angulo. What do you think about that matchup? You know, is that is that really a step up, in, in your opinion, or – or it's it's in your you're gonna st- take your stand and saying, well, look at the guy he's fighting. Who's he to criticize? Yeah, I mean, it's not really a step up in competition. You know, he just that dude just came off a loss to Anthony Sims. You know, just a couple of weeks ago, and they're already getting him back in April. So they're gonna get him. You know, back to back when he has no momentum, uh, no momentum, and you know, coming right off a loss. So. I mean, you know, people want to criticize who I fought, but at the end of the day, that was a mandatory. So if I didn't fight him, I'd be stripped of my world title. So, you know. Hey, man, I know. know, 
I know that there's certain fighters that don't pay attention to media or what fans are saying. Which one are you? Are you one that 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 does pay attention to see what media is saying about you, or are you one that just no, I don't care about it. I need to stick to just what I want to do. I mean, I see some of it. You know, I see some of the things that are going on. It's not like I have to spend all day, you know, worrying about what everyone else is saying about me. But you know, I, I see the media, and you know, I see things here and there of of what the fans say, good and bad. You know, there's a lot of good things that get said, things that you know you really can't reason with people on something yeah no i i agree with you you know i mean because i mean you were heavily criticized about the comments you said about canelo uh about you and him and and you know what you which i got to listen to a few of the interviews that you did do and your explanation was on point i i actually in the beginning i didn't agree but then after hearing what you had to say i was like oh man he's got a point here you know yeah and i mean the thing is they never even sent a contract to me, a secondary guy from their team just reached out for someone on my team and an offer was never even sent. Money was never even, you know, talked about. So it's not like I'm out here trying to outprice myself and say that the money's not good enough. You know, it, it's it's not about the money. It's about the training. You know, I just came off of a fight and even though it wasn't a tough, you know, a fight where I took a lot of punishment, the training camp, you know, the amount of work that goes into a training camp is uh, very rigorous. You know, an eight-week world title training camp there's a lot that goes into that the sprints the sparring you know it's not about having to rest from the fight people you know when I said I needed to rest a lot of people thought that I was trying that I was trying to um well I know I know what you're rest gonna from, say because... uh, rest, rest from the fight you know but right, I was, I'm, I'm talking about resting from training you know Right. Yeah, because when you did say that, there was an immediate reaction from folks who were like, well, you were barely even touched in that last fight, so why wouldn't you want to fight Canelo next if it was to happen in May? I mean, there were so many, even media people were saying, you have time to rest, but, you know, you're giving your interpretation as a fighter because you're the guy that's actually in there. Yeah, but they're talking about I need to rest from the fight when I was never even talking about needing to rest from the fight. I'm, I'm resting right. from training camp, you know, and, but the right. people who don't understand that, are people who have never overtrained a day in their life because they don't they don't do boxing they 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 know boxing from second hand you know they have they've never done it and the one, the few who have done it amateur you know as an amateur they never done it at this level they don't know the work that goes into it absolutely yeah i've got a question for you Caleb this is a mill car speaking you know for a lot of fans they really came on the radar when your title against Uskategi uh, and uh, it was obviously a very impressive win. Can you describe, like, where your career has gone si- since that title win and you discussed the training camp and just kind of like what you see yourself as as a champion now and what you'd like to do as champ at 168? I'm sorry, you started to cut out a little bit. Can, can you uh, yeah. say a question? Sorry, I was, yeah, I was just asking, you know, a lot of uh, – for a lot of fans, you came on, on the radar when you got the win against yeah. Ustakegi. Usta uh, you know, your title win. What's changed for you since you won the title, and what, what are your goals now that you're champ? Is it unification with the other fighters? Where do you see yourself going? Um, well, I don't really feel like it's changed much. My routine hasn't tra- changed much. You know, I'm training each camp. I'm able to train harder than the last because, you know, I'm not coming in overweight or, you know, ground zero completely out of shape, and I'm able to build off each camp, but you know, really, I'm just looking to make big fights. Um, you know, there was something, there was a video that was released 
recently of David Benavidez promoters saying that they don't want to fight in 2020, that they want to keep, you know, pushing it off and holding it off. And, you know, these aren't my words. These are his promoter's words, his team's words, you know, their words. And so, uh, so, All right, um, you know, that's a fight that I want to get made. I'm looking to make big fights uh, and unification fights is what I want to do. Got it. it what, you know, I'm the one who asked the question last week that kind of got uh, uh, David talking a little bit when I asked him to rank, you know, the, the 168 pounders. How would you rank the 168 pounders? Um, well, you know, I think uh, definitely some good champions in the division and, yeah. you know, some guys with uh, different attributes. You know, I think 168 is really hot right now, but nobody's really taking control, you know, of the reins and really got a hold on the division. Um, but, yeah, I think there's some fighters with some good attributes. But, again, like I said, I really feel like I'm just the most well-rounded, you know, boxer at the super middleweight division. I feel like I'm the best for sure. So, Right, but so you, you – And if you're not first, then, you know, it really don't matter who's second. <laughs> hmm, right. <laughs> And in, and in terms you know, of a possible, yeah, you know, because obviously you're in the same weight class as Canelo, who's arguably the biggest star in the sport right now. Where do you see him in terms of, you know, the, the talk has been between him fighting either a Smith or or Saunders. How do you see those matchups for him? Uh, well, you know, he's already been in big talks with um, Billy Joe. They They never wanted to fight me. They never right. really wanted to fight me. The only reason that they came up with that is really trying to rain on my parade because I had a great weekend. I put on a great performance. I had great views. I had great ticket sales. You know, I, I really, I really was able to pull everything together. But they, they never really plan on. They don't plan on fighting me. They plan on fighting Billy Joe if they can get things worked out, which I know that they're close to. So they're just trying to make, you know, clickbait and make news by saying that we didn't, you know, like I'm scared or something like that. I think it's a good matchup. I, I'm, I'm pretty sure Canelo will come out on top. And Canelo is somebody that I definitely want to fight. Uh, I think that would be a huge fight and, a, you know, a big fight that we can make for sure. It won't be hard to make on my end, but for them to try and get me so close to the camp that I just had after all the work right. that I put into that, you know, they're not going to – you know, I'm not a fool. I want to fight, but I'm also – I'm not a clown. I'm not a fool. So. Well, one thing that we've all noticed about PBC fighters as well is that when the fight is there, you guys have – been willing to, you know, do cross-promotional fights, whether it's um, yeah. Wilder and, and, and Fury or whether it's, um, you know, uh, the uh, the 140-pound fight that took place. Uh, you know, actually, no, that wasn't a PVC, but the, the, you guys have, oh, sorry, um, Andy Ruiz and, and Joshua was a big one. So I'm assuming that you'd yeah. be able to, to – You'd be willing to do that if, if it was set up correctly, the fight on the zone. I want to be the best. You know, right. I think the fan, fans get mad when fighters just do it for the money. But then when I say that I'm not going to jump on this fight so close and just do it for the money, even though it would be a great payday, I'm still mm -hmm. not going to do it because I'm not in it for money. But then the fans still get mad. You know, <laughs> if I was only right. do it, be material and, and do it for the money. Oh, he killed me. You know, I hate fighters that only do it for the money. That's the Mayweather effect. And then you have a fighter like me screaming, you know, sitting here saying, I'm not going to jump on this just because of the money, because it's not a good offer. I'm, you know, it, it's, it's absurd. Well, then I get mad, you know, people get mad at me because I'm not doing it for the money. So it's like, damn, if you do, damn, if you don't. So, you know, I really, 
I'm pretty sure I know bo- boxing well enough to know that, you know, you don't do two camps like that back-to-back. They'll get you overtrained. They did the same thing to Kovalov. You know, you just can't be – got to be smart. I said that right. about Kovalov, too, you know. Yeah, remember that? Remember that? I said that Kovala looked overtrained. He, he looked like he had nothing in the tank. His punches were just like arm punches. So yeah, I agree with you. What about Tevin you know? Farmer? What about Tevin Farmer? Oh yeah, tar- yeah, you know, same he, thing there. You know, he he just looked like you know he, he never flat. took a day off. And a lot of people don't get that that there is a such thing as overtraining that you pr- pretty much leave everything yeah. you know back in the gym. Yeah. And Tevin's a great farmer. I mean, it's my bad. Tevin's a great fighter. <laughs> yeah. And, um, you know, but he looked flat in that fight. And then you yeah, also have Deontay yeah. Wilder, who just fought Luis Ortiz. And then he looked, you know, he looked flat in the first round against Tyson Fury, too. You know, mm-hmm. he didn't look himself. He looked flat. He didn't have no pop on his punches. His his legs weren't moving the same, you know. So, well, Caleb, that's and, and kind it of. Could be, that could be from overtraining, too. Right. Well, that's one of the reasons I asked you kind of what I asked you before in, in terms of now that you're, you're a champ, has anything changed? You know, how many training camps can you have ideally at the championship level in a given year? You know, especially if they're big the fight. Right? I mean, how I many fight fights do you see yourself fighting a year? Three. Okay. Three fights. I would like to fight three times a year. Right. Within a 365-day, you know, whether it's from February to February or, or whatever. Right, because a lot of people, what they don't understand, obviously, when you're coming up, you start out with four-rounders, then six-rounders, and eight, then ten, then eventually 12 when you're at yeah. the level that you're at. You can't really fight more than, than three times a year at, at, at a high level in, in close fights, right? I mean, from from the example of Tevin Farmer, you know, it may not be the best, best idea to do. And, yeah. um, you know, also... The, the amount of work that goes into those fights is less is less as well, you know, because of the quality of opponents and because of where you're at in your career. You know, I'm not – I wasn't able to train as hard as I am now when I was 2-0 and or when I was 3-0 and or 4-0. and You know, I, I've become accustomed to this level of training and how much training goes into a camp, you know. Hmm. It's just the – you know, back then three miles was good enough for certain fights. Well, I can just run three miles now for a fight. You know, yeah. So, um, yeah. So, uh, yeah. My my name is Kenny. Uh, I just have, uh, I guess, a couple of questions. Let me just ask one and let you uh, do what you do. Um, So, I noticed that you have a pretty, like, a pretty relaxed personality. You seem like a very intelligent dude as well. Do are you thinking about thinking back to what Deontay Wilder says, which is that? You know, he's one man inside the ring, another man outside the ring, uh, bronze vomit to Deontay Wilder. Is, do, do you see something like that? Like, is that something that you fear or something that you do? Because you seem so relaxed right now, but, you know, obviously you're in the fighting sport. When you go inside the ring, it's a completely different story. So, you know. I mean, I really don't look at myself as, like, a different person inside the ring, outside the ring. Like, I'm a pretty – you know, quiet, serious dude, but, you know, also got my game face that I put on too. And that both of those are the real Caleb plan. So, I mean, I'm a fierce competitor. I love to win. And, um, you know, I'm not trying to get the best sportsmanship award. 
You know what I'm saying? Right. Um, I'm trying to I'm trying to eat somebody's face off. So I don't yeah, know. Can, can like, yeah, make, make Kenny likes Caleb. Kenny Kenny here for some reason likes to likes the rah rah kind of guys, right? Kenny, you like those guys that are like right in your face, rah rah, you know? And uh, yeah, no, I just don't no, get that no, sense, it, bro. <laughs> It depends. It depends. So it, it it depends if it's done like in style or in fashion. It can't just be random rara that doesn't make sense. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I really don't like. I do like the like, side approach too. One for me, I had, feel like. So go ahead, Caleb. I was just gonna say I don't really like to like yell, or talk loud. You know, I don't feel like I have to yell to get my point across. I feel like I can just say in a regular tone, and people know. You know, I mean. I mean what I'm saying. I don't have to yell to get somebody to believe me. So, Right. Absolutely, That's man. Yep. You so, got one more question, Kenny? Uh, yeah, one more question. Uh, you guys already touched up on it, but uh, more so, I'm looking for more so, more so an idea, a picture, you know. Uh, it seems like Canelo's going to fight Billy Joe Saunders. Uh, I don't know if the fight with you and uh, um, Benavides is going to happen this year. But uh, if you could fight those three, Billy Joe Saunders, Benavides, or Canelo, what order would you what order would you do it in? Preferably, would you just would you even fight the other two if you can fight if you are able to fight Canelo? Uh, like you know, and with enough preparation, I would want to fight David. and everything. I would want to fight David right. Benavides and become a unified champ first, and then you know, if I can't get fights with Billy Joe or Callum. Maybe Canelo can, since he works with the zone and Golden Boy, they work together. Maybe he could beat Callum and Billy Joe and become a unified world champ. And then me and him can fight for all the marbles. Oh, that'd be I great. I love it. That would be great. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so. Thank you for your answer. I'm, I, my, my questions are done. If you guys uh, uh, yeah. Emil or uh, David? So, uh, yeah, it's a milk car again. So last week we had Bo Mack on um, Crawford's trainer. And, you know, Beaumont and Crawford are from Nebraska. You're from Tennessee. These are not places that have, you know, usually produced too many boxers on your level. Can you tell us a little bit about coming up in Tennessee and what the boxing scene there is like? Um, well, like you said, not not a whole – not too much of one, really. Um, had to – had to uh, travel quite a bit, you know, in the surrounding areas, whether we went to Atlanta or Kentucky or Mississippi or um, other places as well. But, yeah, not really a whole lot a lot of resources. Opened up a gym when I was young and um, it didn't even have a ring and it had a floor. It was uh, tape on the floor and it was taped off in a big box like a ring. And we had one heavy huh. bag hanging. And um, not a lot of sparring, you know. Uh, but, you know, if you want something bad enough, then, you know, you work through the ups and the downs and, and you get there. That's pretty incredible that you were able to, you know, become who you are today, having come from a, a background like that, you know, not just obviously in terms of the limited access to, to fights, because I'm assuming you're talking about the amateur scene, right? Yeah, like I said, you know, in the amateurs had to do some traveling, go to different, you know, tournaments and uh, regional tournaments and, and stuff like that. Uh, but it wasn't really like a whole lot of sparring just right there in the gym or, you know, where sometimes they have smokers and do fights on the Saturdays and stuff with, you know, uh, local local amateurs, you know, 
there was some of that, but not a not a whole lot. So, and why, like I said, why when you boxing? really when you really want something, make it happen. Yeah. So why boxing and not another sport? I know that came up in the pre-fight stuff with Mike Lee when you fought him. That you know you're someone who went right into boxing and not necessarily into into other sports first. Um, I played football when I was younger, mm-hmm. but um. I don't know, my father fought when he was younger, so it was kind of easy for him to try and introduce me to that. And that's the whole reason he kind of opened up that little gym that didn't even have a ring and just went heavy bag because he didn't really want me running around getting in trouble with my buddies when I got older. Right. There's not a whole lot to do where we're from besides, you know, it's easy to get in trouble. And so, right. um, but it, and it, you know, I just took to it and I, I really loved it. I started off like one and four. So not the best record, but um, after that, it kind of just things started to click. I won like seventeen in a row, and uh, it just kind of took off from there. And wow. last last one from me, David and Kenny. Who's your uh, favorite, or who's the greatest one sixty eight pounder of all time in your eyes? I am. Other than ah. you. <laughs> Other than you. There's your answer. I mean, <laughs> okay, mine, that's my mine answer. Is, my, mine is Joe Calzaghe. I, I said it last week. I'll say yeah. it today again. But uh, yeah, we'll see. There's never Maybe. been a there's never been an undisputed superhero This is true. That is true. So that I'm trying that, to, is, that yeah. That's what, that's, that's what yeah, I'm over here yeah. working on. Hey, before we do, before we let you go there, uh, though, uh, Caleb. Uh, what is the message to the rest of the 168ers out there, and especially to David Benavides, who pretty sure is going to easy either tuning in or they're going to listen to the playback? I mean, step aside. There you go. The IBF uh, champion of the world here, Caleb Plant, here on Leaving the Ring. Step aside to the rest of the 168 pounders. Uh, greatness is coming forward. Hey, Caleb, thanks again, man. And uh, tell Mario, bro, that I said thank you again. Mario, me and Mario grew up in the same uh, city. Uh, so we've known each other. We, I mean, we go way, way back, back when Mario had a hair. Oh, snap. I was like 100 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> again, brother, thanks for coming yeah. on, man. I really appreciate it. You take care. All right, thank you. Yeah, y'all have a good thank time. Thank you. You too. you too. Take care, brother. Thank you. Well, there you go. hundred uh, The IBF super middleweight, uh, 168 champion, Caleb Plant here on Leaving the Ring. Had a lot of stuff to say. Um, Amilcar, what do you think, bro? You know, it's it's uh, quiet confidence. And um, I know that's what you like, uh, David, that, that quiet confidence. Yeah, you know, letting you I do. do the talking versus what you uh, described as the rah 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 in your face. You know, I like that too. Yeah. I like like Kenny. I know like Kenny likes that, and I think it's because yeah. I love that New York style. Like I grew up yeah. on the New York hip hop. You know what I mean? Like I wasn't yeah. really yeah. like Mac Dre or you know, Dr. Dre, Snoop Dogg. That wasn't really yeah. like my feel. My feel yeah. was like you know, uh, a Black Moon, the Poor Righteous Teachers. You know, yeah. uh. uh you know, Chief Rocca, all that, that in-your-face type of style, Busta Rhymes. So that's why I know. I, 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 KRS-One. Dude, I mean, that's that's where it's at. And hip-hop for me, Hello. you know. Yeah. You know, so I do like that rah-rah. Um, but like Kenny said, you know, it's got to be a, like a, there's a certain classy way of having that outspoken personality, you know. 
Um, like, like Broner is like, he crosses that line, but then he just, I don't know. It's a, there's something about Broner, man, where he could just throw it out there and then fish me right back in. When a, a lot of people have like, they've been completely turned off by him. It will. Kenny's other nickname is LL Cool K. So, um, <laughs> LL Cool K is very, very familiar with the rah, rah, rah. Yeah. Definitely, definitely. Jeez, but you know, what like we said, like we said, the rah 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 has to be done in style. You know, uh, I definitely respect uh, the way that Caleb Plant spoke right now because he definitely talked his rah rah. But it wasn't rah rah like blah 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 blah. It was like rah rah. Right. Like, yeah, I'm 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 a kick I'm a kick all your asses. Just just wait for me. You know, it was it, it which is also very respectable. What a, what uh you know, it's cool to have the the Manny Pacquiao approach too, where it's like. Uh, you know, I'm not gonna do, say anything. I see you in the ring, and 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 I we we say something or whatever, you know. Uh, Manny Pacquiao, <laughs> time world champion. <laughs> I love yeah. Manny. Though. I mean, he's a he's a, what he does. Yeah, I love ring, him. Yeah, he's just, a, he's a savage. Yeah. Yep. Go for it. Go for it. Sorry. No, I did, yeah, no, I'm, I'm saying, you know, I, you know, there's certain personalities in in boxing that actually speak more volumes with their with them being quiet. You know, but but that's like the real personality where there's certain fights where you can kind of sense that's not really who they are. Like Oscar De La Hoya, I think, is a prime example that people, especially Mexicanos, Chicanos, people that are Mexican-American, you know, uh, even Puerto Ricans, they, they knew that, like, this is really not him saying, like, oh, my gosh, or, uh, oh, my goodness. We do. Come on. We all would look at each other like, we know this vato doesn't talk like that, but... Did you I know, hear a hint of a feminine tone in there, David? <laughs> no, 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 nothing like that. Nothing like that. Okay. But you know what I mean? It was the realness that that I think that a lot of us, if you're if you're a quiet guy like Manny Pacquiao, he's a very quiet yeah. guy. There's a realness about him being quiet. You know, uh, Roman uh, 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 Gonzalez. There's a realness about the way he approaches his fans and, and his people. Tito Trinidad was was not like the more raw raw guy, but but. If you got underneath his skin, he definitely would show it that there was something bothering him. You know, well, uh, Bernard Hopkins. If, if you took the flag and threw it up, down on the floor in front oh, of him, yeah. That that took him out of his game plan, though, man. Don't remind me that because I still can't stand Bernard Hopkins for doing that and 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 just stopping my boy because I was, dude, I was all Puerto Rican out that day. I thought he was gonna stop Bernard Hopkins. And yeah. I still blame my son for, you know, my wife giving birth to him on that weekend. I still blame him to this day. I always tell him, like, you know, that people that I lost because of you, I had to go to the hospital because of you. He wasn't focused, man. Just wasn't focused. <laughs> <there>. <laughs> speaking, of quiet, speaking of quiet assassins, I'd say that Inoue is one of the best ones. Um, he's definitely yeah. a quiet assassin. And I forget who it was. Was it Emmanuel Rodriguez or – I forget who it was. No, it was um, uh, who was uh, going after his dad? That was going after his dad. That disrespected his father. Oh my God! Somebody pull it up here in the chat room. I don't remember who it was. It was. It didn't end up well for him. No, ended up. I think it ended in the what the first round or second round. Yeah. And uh, I was just reading today, speaking of him, that Top Rank is bringing him over to the United States early because of the coronavirus. Coronavirus has been um. You know, affecting all kinds of training camps and a lot of things. Steve Kim wrote an article out there about it. It's on um, ESPN.com if anyone's interested in checking it out. 
Yeah, well, if we can, we probably retweet it out there for you and stuff. Hey, let me ask you guys this, yeah. man. Scott Quigg uh, got in with uh, Jono uh, Corral. What do you guys? What did you guys think about that? I thought personally, Scott Quigg looks. He looked done. That first round, I saw. I was like, this guy's body does not look very good. His reaction timing was really off. Um, he was just taking a straight beat down from um, Joan. I, I, I just, you know, was like, I hope he retires out. And I heard that he did announce there's a retirement immediately after he lost that fight. I hate using the word shot fighter, um, but if it could but ever be shot. used, it, he looks shot, man. From Like you said, David, for a guy who we saw just, you know, at, at his peak against like a Kiko Martinez, I don't know if you guys remember that fight. But it remember was like Kiko Martinez, yep. Destructive win. Um, obviously, the Valdez fight, the Crampton fight, you know, this, this was a, you know, a action guy who's always known kind of like for his um not just his toughness but his skill level and you know reacting uh well uh in 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 fighting getting from the outside to the inside well a good body attack a good head attack and to see a guy who literally couldn't pull the trigger all night long and couldn't react to shots and no offense to jonah carroll but he was kind of picked i think because he doesn't really hit very hard you know, uh, and he got a stoppage win against against our guy. So it, anyone who likes Scott Quigg, and it's tough not to like Scott Quigg, it, it was difficult to watch that fight. It was very, very difficult because, like I said, punches were coming at him from the King Kong, and it, it's almost like he was just watching these punches slowly come at him because there was really no, no – there was no reaction from him, the – you know, he didn't pull away. He had no head movement. There was no footwork. He was very flat-footed. Um, and his body looked really mush. You know what I mean? When you talk about yeah. a shot fighter, it just looked like it was water. It retained a lot of water, you know. And uh, he, it just, I mean, overall, the, the overall of what I saw of him, it, it was just writings on the wall was you need to hang up the gloves, brother. You know, and live and just you know live off into the sunset uh, with your family and what you have reaped already. Because uh, you know, uh, as Steve Kim has said numerous times on leaving the ring, uh, boxing doesn't give away old watches. No, and this is a guy who was a long reigning champion and at least was fighting at the championship level for, you know, a, quite a while, and to, to see him like that. But you know what? If there is a good news story here it's that he did it himself like he actually came to the realization that it's time to to call it and hopefully he's doing that with a lot of money in in the bank and you know his faculties intact and he can re- enjoy a solid retirement i think it's these, a harder are, what was that kenny these are what uh no i was say uh, these are i have uh some 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 quotes here uh from quig himself uh that he said after the fight he said uh, that he could see exactly what it was that he wanted to do, but he just couldn't pull the trigger. And uh, right. that himself from, from three or four years ago would have had absolutely no problems with that with Carroll. I um, think he would have destroyed Carroll three or four years ago. Definitely yeah, yeah, years. that's what he said. Yeah. That's, that's exactly what he said. Then, then after that, he said, uh, uh, that's it. Um, I said, when I stop improving and stop getting better, that's the day I'll be stopping. And, yeah, he retired at the age of 31 shortly after the fight. Yeah. You know, I, I was going to say, man, it's a hard pill to swallow when you are forced to retire, whereas if you decide to retire, 
But, I, you know, what what <clears throat> Carol did was basically tell him, it's done. You're done. You're over. Uh, the time is, is now finally have caught up to you. The wars in the ring have finally caught up to you. Uh, and then Scott Quigg rightfully and intelligently looked, looked into that match because he was physically there. And I'm glad that he still has all his marbles here, right? Uh, Emil Carve to, to recognize that his timing was off and that three years ago, he could have done a lot more to King Kong, could have seen those punches, and we might have saw a different fight. Luckily, he saw exactly what we all saw uh, watching on the zone, which was this wasn't your night, and it might never be your night ever again. Yeah. I mean, we're talking about a guy who lost to Tevin Farmer, who doesn't have, you know, elite Pop. power by any means. You know, and you kind of look at King Kong – I don't want to be disrespectful here, but he's not King Kong because of his his power. He's more King Kong, I felt, because <laughs> sorry for me. Oh, man. Oh, man. Opinion, but it's almost like ape, ape-like uh, mannerisms <laughs> and, and features. You know, the, 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 the Kenny has me. <laughs> I'm sorry. But Kenny has me laughing. Oh, man. The, the small hands, the, the herky jerky uh, fainting, you know. Right. No, I know where you're going. <laughs> you know, Kenny, Kenny, hand, hand him back the shovel. Kenny, hand him back the shovel. Hand him back the shovel here, Kenny. <laughs> My fans, you want to call in 30 can, 347 Let's talk boxing here on Leaving Ring. Yeah. At 6 o'clock, we got Junior Welterweight Brandon Lee coming on the show. He's got a fight coming up on Showtime. And then a little later at 7 p.m., we got trainer Manny Robles here to join us as well. Uh, let's patch in some fight fans here on Leaving the Ring really quick. Let's get their Absolutely. intake about what happened this past weekend. Uh, let's go with area code 510. You're on live right now on Leaving the Ring. What's on your mind, brother? Hey, David. Hey, Kenny. I'm Chris Fernando. How are you guys doing? Fernando. I'm good. What's good, Fernando? Yeah, dude. You know, I'm trying to make that money. Uh, that was a really good interview with uh, Caleb, man. I was actually kind of impressed by him a little bit, you know? Uh, right. So, yeah, Everybody was, bro. Yeah. I was impressed by him yeah. a lot, to be honest. Yeah. He kind of comes off as unlikable, but when you kind of used to what he's saying, he's actually not that bad, man. He's just, you know, quite confident, you know? Yeah, he's one. He, you know what he reminds me of? He's one of those dudes at a construction site. You know, like everybody in the construction site are joking and having a good time to try to pass the time because you know we're all looking at the clock to get the hell out of that job site. He reminds me of that one vato that just stays to himself, and then he when when you say something funny, everybody laughs, and all he does is grin. He's that guy. <laughs> That's me. You're, you're, That's pa- me, bro. you're painting him out to That's be the me, Punisher. <laughs> <laughs> if you if you if you watch the Punisher show, there's a part where he's doing construction right. and he has the grin and all that or whatever. <laughs> it's funny. But yeah, Nando. I do have one question. I know I'm walking around, but I do have a question for Manny Robles later. I just wonder if you would actually take back any release, man. Because I think that you know it's really a shame if they broke up, man. Like that. I hope I hope the, his door's still open to Andy, man. Cause it seems like Andy's still looking for somebody. To train him, you know. I saw him doing. I saw him exercising online, but you know, he needs that father figure, man. He needs somebody who's gonna like, you know, tap that he has a good relationship with. Man, I don't think anybody can come off cold off the street and you know, really get to him. Like somebody like Kitty Atlas, man, is gonna rub him the wrong way. I think, you know. So I, I hope him. I hope Manny Robles and Andrew Lee 
find a way to work it out. You know, that's what I hope for. Man, I think they really make a good pair. They made history together, and uh, yeah, I hope I hope it works out between both of them. Let me ask you something, yeah. Nando. Are you are you saying that you think Andy needs a coach that's going to be more of a motivational speaker than he needs a coach that's going to teach him like fine and fine tune his skills? I think he needs that, that custom model Mike Tyson relationship, right? You know, mm-hmm. he you know, he needs somebody there to like to be his friend, you know, to like guide him. You know, I don't think Andy reminds me like people in my family. I have I have cousins just like like Andy, man. Nice, a little bit lazy, a little bit laid back, you know, like, I have people like that in my family, too, and it never works yelling at them, screaming at them, it doesn't work, man, they just, you know, they'll go back in the room and they won't even pay attention to you, they'll just shine it off, man, they won't get mad at you, but they'll just, you know, they'll shine you off, whereas, whereas if you're patient with them and you have a good relationship with them, you know, they'll, they'll run through a wall for you, you know, and that's what, you know, that's what I think Andy really needs, man, I think the technique and everything, even against uh, AJ, if he would have been in shape, I think he knocked out AJ again. You know, well, AJ was a scared, scared shitless of him the whole fight. I, you know, I agree. I agree. And you know what? There is a fighter out – sorry, there is a trainer out there that is arguably the best at doing what you're doing, and his name is Ben Davidson. I mean, Ben Davidson brought back Tyson Fury from being over 400 pounds to yeah, pretty but... much what he is today. If that if that's what you say that, that Andy Ruiz needs uh... – I would disagree with Ben Davidson wholeheartedly, Amilcar. Uh, ben Davidson was like a trainer and a friend to Tyson Fury, like a physical trainer. Uh, yeah. yeah, I know we just said, we just agreed that, that, that Ruiz doesn't need an actual personal, like an actual trainer or personal trainer of the case, uh, that he needs more like a father-friend figure, custom model type of person. But uh, all, the only thing that Ben Davidson brings to that conversation is the, the friend figure. You know, custom <laughs> model was also... Uh, like a uh, boxing guru type of thing. So, uh, yeah, I, I would disagree with Ben Davidson. Yes, I do agree, though, with Nando's point that that uh, Andy Ruiz definitely needs uh, more so somebody to, to treat him like a son, like a personal type of relationship to help push him, to guide him to where he needs to be because a- Andy Ruiz is at the point where he doesn't need to learn any more skills. The dude is extremely skilled. He just needs to stay motivated and drop weight and drop fat and, and retain muscle. It's just simple. Yeah, he does need a trainer, but more so somebody to to hold his hand. You know, like I said, you could take the dog to the water. Excuse me, you could take the horse to the water, but you can't force the horse to, to drink water. He needs somebody who's going to take that water and put it in his mouth. You know, you know, like literally. I actually uh, think that he could use it. He could improve his footwork, though, Kenny. I don't think his footwork is that great. I'm going to I'm going to disagree with with, yeah. with with Kenny here. Um wholeheartedly Kenny um on about the no whole father, father <laughs> the whole father figure thing. You look, I mean these guys are ready past their 24 25s. Uh they're not looking for a father. You know, uh Johnny Zig just had uh, Buddy McGirt and Buddy McGirt to me is a good trainer. I never Ooh. thought he was like this great trainer. I always thought he was yeah. a good trainer. But he did say something to Johnny Zig in their interview when they were talking about um, Deontay Wilder that Deontay Wilder needs a teacher, not a trainer anymore. And I think that comes down to Andy Ruiz. That's why Andy, in my opinion, it is no big rush of finding a trainer. He's, he's working out on his own because here's the fact. There's not a lot of things you're going to be able to teach this guy already because he's already made it to the top. And when you kind of hit to that top, forgive me if I'm wrong here, the arrogance still is going to stand because you're going to say, well, I've already made it here by fighting this particular way. Why would I change? 
I didn't lose to AJ uh, because he was better than me. I lost to AJ because I didn't show up to the ring or the fight. So I, I think it's a difficult thing to try to get a guy because, like, even Manny Rubio, uh, 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 Robles has said in interviews, if he doesn't listen to his father, why would he listen to me? And that's a real father figure. And his dad is already in and around all his camps and even goes to the ring with him. Right. Right. Fernando, well, let me ask me- you this, bro. What did you think about um, – I'm sorry, really quick. Let me – because I want to get uh, let go for now. We're going to be having Brandon Lee call it right now. Uh, Fernando, did you watch the fights, and what did you think about Hellenius and uh, um, Kanowski, bro? Uh, nothing, too, man. People like, were quick to shit on all these fights, man. I enjoyed all of them, to be honest. I don't know. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm watching the wrong thing, or I just need to get off fucking Twitter, man. Twitter is some bullshit, man. A lot of people on that shit, man. The fucking salty-ass motherfuckers on that shit, man. So, I enjoyed True. the fights. I don't know what the fuck Twitter was talking about. And, uh, yeah, man, cool. yeah, I'm not even going to throw Kanowski in, in the garbage either, man. You know, he's still got talent. Maybe, he's, you know, he's another version of Andy Reid. Maybe he just wasn't in shape for the fight. Didn't take it serious. Just thought it was going to be an easy payday. And he got knocked out, which happens in Boston, man. So I'm not ready to yep. put him in the garbage, man. I think he still has talent. But thank you for taking my call. I agree I with you. I appreciate it, man. I'm listening. All right, brother. Thank you. No, I, I, I got to agree with Fernando there. I think that Adam still has got something in the tank. The one thing that, that uh, Milcar, you were bringing up in the beginning of the show was no head movement. You know, uh, yeah, a no guy with... Yeah, a, a pressure fighter, any pressure fighter, it doesn't mean, just mean particularly, uh, particularly in the heavyweight division, but in any division, if you're going to be a pressure guy, well, you got to have some head movement. And you got to know do. that your jab is going to push the guy back and it's going to keep him off balance so that they need to reset. And when they reset, that's when you upload, that's when you, uh, you know, uh, uh, let go your punches, where you're going to catch the guy. You'll watch all the pressure fighters. That's what they did. They used the jab. They used head movement to close that distance with footwork. And then when you had you off balance, the element surprise was to unload on you. And that's how you caught these guys. Uh, the laziness of not doing. Right. Right. The laziness of just doing the one-two and believing because you watch tape on the guy. And I think, too, uh, I'm going to start taking uh, Kenny's word here wholeheartedly. I think that Adam mm-hmm. thought that he was going to knock him out, blow him out in one or two rounds because, you know, uh, everybody with the announcement of that fight were not very intrigued by it. Nobody had really a whole lot of interest. They were like, oh, well, man, remember- this guy's – I mean, I, I thought he was going to get knocked out. Well, last week I was actually saying that I was interested in going to see it live. And one of the reasons being is I know that Elanius is a tough guy. Um, but you know who I wasn't too impressed with? The the Cuban fighter, uh, Sanchez. Were you impressed by him? Um, I was impressed with him to the, to the point was, look, he's got good boxing skills. Not every one of these guys are going to be like Ortiz or what we've kind of seen now. Uh, you know, that, that coming out of the Cuban defect, uh, they're starting to be aggressive. They're starting to be more entertaining. You know, I, I still, I, I think I still, I'm still on defense with them. I'm not sure which way I'm going to sway. I want to see maybe one or two more fights up with Sanchez before I throw in my, my complete, uh, my whole thought about what I think he's going to do, what the impact he's going to do in the division. My, my assessment of him, though, David, is that I just don't think he's, uh, has the size or the punching power to be competitive at the highest levels in the division. I, 
you know, I, I just don't see someone that size being effective against an AJ or even a, you know, forget Fury, even like a Dillian White. I, especially with that style, I actually think that he should probably consider going down to the 200 limit to the cruiserweights if he can make it. Yeah, that would take a lot of training. But that would be the best. That would be the best decision for him, mm-hmm. body wise. But yeah. but pocket wise and bank wise, that's the reason why these cruiserweights move up. They want yeah. they want to chase the bigger paydays. You know, they want to uh, test themselves with these bigger elite guys. It's a, I think it's going to be difficult for any guy that's between two hundred to two fifteen, even two twenty, to compete with these monsters in the heavyweight division. It, it's going to be very tough for them. The reason a guy like David Hay or even Holyfield, but especially Hay was able to do it, is that, you know, Hay packed a monster punch, you know? And he, he was just blasting guys out of there at, at cruiserweight. And when he moved up to, to heavyweight, he was doing the same. I just don't see Frank Sanchez being able to do that, you know, based on what I've seen of him thus far. I mean, he took Joeco to distance. His last fight before that was the distance. His fight before that was kind of a TKO victory. And it's not like he's been fighting monsters. You know what I mean? Right. So, you know, only time will tell. I'm, I just, based on what I've seen, I, I see him more as a cruiserweight than, than, a, than a heavyweight. I, I don't disagree with you at all. You know, but I, I still say the verdict is still out for Sanchez. We still got to see. Uh, what he can produce, what happens when somebody can pressure him, what happens when somebody can really get in there and make him fight. Um, do we, we do we see a cruiserweight pretending to be a heavyweight, or do we see a heavyweight waiting to be waiting for somebody to open the gate for him to come through the door? Right now, last last question about the card on Saturday for you, David, is about mm-hmm. FA Ajaka. He's six six, so he's he's big. He's got Huge. the size up. Hit, and he's actually asking for tough fights. You know, he made that statement after his last win. W- where do you kind of see him? Because I've been wanting to see him take on Daniel Dubois now for a while. Now Dubois obviously signed up to fight Joe Joyce, but you know, should he get through that win, which I think he will, I'd love to see these two kind of kind of match up with one another. What, what do you think? I think they need a wait. I think they're on a collision course. I think that yeah. when the right time for them is going to be a big fight, uh, F is, I think, is impressive. He's a specimen, man. Uh, you yeah. know, his jab, his jab, really, honestly, I don't know if much folks are even, like, uh, raiding that jab, but he's got a good jab. Um, he's Very got good, good range. He's got a good sense of range, and he understands his height. You know, there's things that he needs to tweak, and it all comes with experience. You know, and that experience is to continue to keep fighting, continue to to take the matches that your matchmaker and your manager are setting up. You know, everybody's always been in a hurry up. Uh, and that's what's been problem, the big problem with our sport for the past 10 years is that we've seen fighters get put in a position that they were not even ready for. You know, we've seen prospects fight certain fighters they were not prepared for because they were such in a hurry up. You remember when Michael Grant stepped in with Lennox Lewis and Lewis said he's on the hurry come down uh, uh, position. You know, they want to rush him to the heavyweight top, but he hadn't even worked his way there yet. And what happened immediately was Lennox proved everybody what he was saying was true. I think that boxing right now, the reason why we're seeing good style matches, the reason why we're starting to see guys be matched correctly and we're starting to see certain upsets 
or certain uh, rounds that are just so back and forth is because we're going back to exactly what we should have been doing 10 years ago. Slowly and surely develop these guys and put them in with the right circuit of fighters. They're going to actually expose your weaknesses and show us who you really are, or they're going to tell us, okay, he's ready to move up in the next level. Hmm. I, um, <clears throat> regarding F.A. Ajagba, I, I feel he's great. He, the only thing that I thought was a little lackluster is, uh, his defense. I thought he, he, uh, like, the other guy wasn't throwing, I don't even remember his name, the other dude, but he wasn't throwing enough punches. But when he would throw punches, they would definitely land flush on a Jagba. And like you said, minor things that need to be tweaked, and that's, I guess, part of what needs to be tweaked because well, that, that, that part the, right there, the Kenny. name heavyweights. Right. Yeah. Well, that right there, Once Kenny, I think you're Here's the thing. Here's the thing, because the reason why I think he was getting touched a lot, you know, was because – you, here you got a guy that's 6'6". Six, six. He's not really fighting guys. I mean, he's been fighting guys from 6'2 and up. He's yeah, going to have to... Right. He's going to have to really tweak. And that's what I meant by tweak his style a little bit, is that he was not used to... Mostly tall guys are not used to fighting guys eye level, shoulder to shoulder. And you saw that immediately. I think in the second round, you saw it immediately that he was like, hmm, used to punching down. Now he's punching up, which... A lot of folks don't believe this, but if you're punching up, you do get exhausted a little bit more, and you become more wary and conservative with your punches. And I saw that right away, being conservative, and he was getting hit because he was so used to throwing his punches um, downwards and then pulling his hands back towards the nipple area that that's why he was getting touched. They had to, he had to remind himself over and over, lift his hands up. Did you guys see what Daniel Dubois did to Razvan Kojanu, though? I mean, that's the common opponent that they both have. I mean, it, it was not pretty. No, I, it, I, it was a lot more. It was a lot more destructive and defi- de- decisive than what we saw on Saturday night. Uh, Dubois, I think, would uh, would destroy a Jagba, and and the reason I say this is because, like I said, a Jagba, his defense is a little lackluster. He gets hit a little too much, and in the heavyweight uh, division, you can't get hit like that. And a dude like my boy Dynamite, all he needs to land is one. All he needs to... And, oh, he's and the, Dynamite the, 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 Oh, he's Dynamite now, bro. He, 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 he's no longer dubious. He's Dynamite. Before, before, before Kenny used to call him dubious. Yeah, right. yeah, now he's Dynamite, he, he, which is what I've been calling he was, him. He oh, guys, you know dubious, what? Hey, Mike, but I, I got to interrupt you here. Funny style. Yeah. I got to interrupt you here because I completely forgot. We got the junior welterweight prospect or... Up right, uh, rising star here, Brandon Lee here on Leave the Ring with us. What's up, bro? You there? Yeah, can you hear me? Oh, yes, I can hear you can. clear, bro. Yeah. Hey, welcome to the show, man. Yeah. I really appreciate you taking the time, especially away from camp. And uh, you got a fight coming up uh, on, the, on the 13th on Showtime to speak to myself, Dave Duenas, my co-host of Milcar and Kenny. Um, first off, man, again, I'm really excited to see you uh, fight this weekend. Uh how about yourself here, man? Are you ready? I mean, because I know the one thing is that you like hamburgers, right? That you like to eat hamburgers. Yeah. So I know that that's the one thing that your mouth is watering for to get this fight over with, especially the weigh-in, so you can get a big bite into a hamburger, correct? Correct, yeah. Pizza, ramen, burgers, all that. <laughs> <laughs> so 
I'm going to dig into a little bit of your background here, uh, Brandon, because uh, I'm pretty sure hardcore fight fans know about you, but sometimes some of my listeners, you know, they don't know too much. So since this is the first time you've been on here on Leaving the Ring, um, I'm going to give a little bit of it. You're 20 years old. You got a phenomenal, right. phenomenal right hand, bro. You're, you're Korean and Mexican-American, right? So right. Chicano, Chicano by heart here. Uh, you were, you were, you're from Yuba City, which is Northern California. I'm from San Jose, California, bro. So, um, oh, you know, and then you moved down to Southern California eight years ago just because of the simple fact that, like, Northern California is kind of, you know, kind of more known for, like, the mecca of MMA. Am I right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, not much boxing is out there. Um, no. It's kind of, they only have a few gyms, handful of gyms. Hey, so well, when I'm you see Southern that. California. Right. But when right. you see, like, a guy like uh, uh, Gabriel Flores out of Stockton, California, which is about an hour, now a little less than an hour from Sacramento, because you were like a couple hours away from Sacramento. When you see a guy like that yeah. uh, pulling in an audience, a crowd to where he's at, did that surprise you a bit? Because that surprised me a bit, because a lot of times it's really hard to get like Northern uh, uh, Californians to support a boxing event. Those are not, those are kind of mm-hmm. rare to be popping up in Northern California. Well, I think I think Gary Flores is a little special because he has a tremendous following, tremendous support system. So I think that the way he sells himself to the boxing world and to his Stockton fans is um, phenomenal. He's doing a great job. Yeah, I mean Stockton is a, it's not that big of a town. I mean I'm I'm I now live next door to Stockton. Well, not next door, but I live in Riverbank, which is close to what's the uh, the borderline of Modesto here and stuff. So. What do you, what is your, what is your, what do you think is your weakest, uh, out of all your arsenal, what's the weakest that you feel that you still need to work on, that you continuously work on in your fight game? Probably the weakest thing, um, I'd probably, probably being anxious or being eager. And how do you work well, that? Like how do you correct that, that bro? You. Yeah, but that how do you man, correct that? That, that just comes. That just comes with time and experience, um, and hold a whole lot of self discipline. I mean, my last fight—not my last fight, two fights ago when I made my TV debut, TV debut on mm-hmm. Showbox. Um, I was really eager to throw punches, and you can't be you can't be doing that because I mean, I made so many mistakes. So I feel like I've learned. I've learned, you know, like you you got to get burned to to learn not to touch that stove. So I kind of, in a way, learned. Don't be as eager, you know, stay calm, pick your shots. I remember hearing once that you said that you don't take sparring serious. And, uh, you know, you didn't elaborate. Um, can you elaborate to me, man, when you meant by that, when you said, I don't take sparring serious um, because, you know, you got to go ahead. I'll let, I'll let you take take it on from there. Yeah, well, I'm sparring. I'm just playing around. Um, to me, I'm playing the game where – you can hit where I can hit you, but you can't hit me all day long. And any, and let me ask you this. I mean, there's got to be a time, even in a smoker where a guy, because they always tell you, you know, go 60, 70%. And then you always got that mm. one joker that steps in the ring that gives you a hundred. Does that make you get any serious when you see a guy that wants to literally take out your head, take off your head? No, it makes me play around even more. And then really hard. <laughs> For a split second, I'll probably humble him real quick and then go back to playing around. Now, I know your grandfather and then your brother, they fought. Um, they were fighters as well, and your brother inspired you. You looked up to 
him. Um, you know, you wanted to, you know, kind of compare your career to him, and and that's what made you pursue. What was what was something? What was it about your grandpa and your and your brother that made you go like, oh, that that's what I want to do? Like, what was the punch or what was the fight or was it even just going to the gym, uh, witnessing them train? Is that what motivated you? Wanted to take on this career? Um, my uncle's fought as well, but. I just wanted to be like my older brother. Um, he was my role model. And then ever since he stopped boxing and I started boxing, he just, I started and it's like a rocket just took off. What does he say to you now about your, about what you're doing? What He's advice? Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, he always gives me advice. Uh, you know, like his, he was a boxer himself, so he he helps me correct my mistakes. But um, yeah, he's proud of me. What's your walk around, dude? When you walk around, uh, to make this, to, to make your, your your weight, what are you walking around normally when you're not training? Probably like one fifty five, and I'm I'm always man. training. Really, man, one fifty five, yeah, huh? I'm, yeah, I'm not like these other fighters who take months off or weeks off. Um, I'm gonna fight on Friday. I'll be back in the gym on Tuesday. You got to be soaking up all the press right now, right, bro? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I did like <laughs> five interviews today, so. Pretty cool. Wow. Wow. That's great, man. It's really good to see that you're getting this kind of exposure because you have always been about the talk for the past couple of years. Uh, Ernesto Gabillon is the one that kind of turned me to you, telling me to check you out. Um, and uh, and I was like, wow. And then, you know, and so I've been watching here and there what you've been doing. And, and then when I found out that you're half Mexicano, I was like, what? So do you speak Spanish, Brandon, or? Yeah, a little bit um, here and there. I know a little bit of words, poquito. Just the just the cuss words, just the cuss words, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah, of course, all, all the cuss words. <laughs> so tell me the spirits, bro. Let me. Well, no, no. Before I even get to that, tell me because your mom's Mexican, right? And your dad's Korean, and your dad Correct. trains you. How did how did your Correct. parents meet, bro? Has anybody asked you guys that yet? How, how did your parents meet? If it's okay to ask. No, nah, no one's ever. No, that's all good. No one's ever asked me that, but um, I think back in the day, um. Well, my dad was like cruising or something, and my mom was cruising with her friends. They met. I don't know what. That's all I know. <laughs> really? Uh, that's yeah. you know, that's that's weird. That's how I met a lot of females back in my days. Man, was cruising yeah. and stuff, you know. But yeah, that's crazy, dude. So, so was it it's your California, mom that? California, though. It is right? California. Yeah, it's it's a California I mean, thing back back in the seventies, eighties, and even in the nineties. It died out. I mean, California like, is the home of the uh, of the Korean taco. It is it's where it was invented, right? With the the mix of the Korean barbecue and the and the Mexican taco. Yeah, I, oh, yeah, I, I wouldn't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so cow. Yeah. So going back, was it your mom that 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 um, introduced your brother to the sport, or was this already a love for your dad as well? Um. Yeah, I think my my mother introduced the sports to to us. To be honest. Um, mm-hmm. Because her father boxed, her her brother's boxed. And I think one day, my brother just started going to the gym, and then my dad started taking him every day ever, and ever since that. That's crazy, man. So your mom's the one that was like, hey, llévatalo, take him to the gym. Get him in there. <laughs> yeah. You know, get them both in there and stuff, man. 140 division is pretty stacked, and the guys below you, you know, eventually they should be moving up. Um, who who are you hunting down right now? You know, you got a fight happening on the 13th on Showtime. Um, that guy, I, I was watching some tape on that guy. You know, he, he does have a good, you know, right hand. He does throw a good, decent hook. 
Um, when or if you get past them, what's the hunt for you, man? What are you looking at at your division? Right now, right now, I'm just staying focused on this fight. Um, I'm just a horse, and Cameron Duncan, who's my manager, is a jockey. All I, my job is to run, and Cameron Duncan's job is to, to um, he knows how fast to run me. He knows when to pull back. He knows when to let go. All that. So as of right now, I'm just looking at this fight and letting my my manager Cameron Duncan do the rest. Awesome. Good answer, man. I've got a, yeah, I got a question for you, Brandon. My name's Milcar, by the way. You know, yep. growing up, I was a huge fan of a North Carolina, sorry, North uh, Californian fighter. Diego Chico Corrales. W- were you a fan of his? And kind of who are the guys from Northern California that you looked up to growing up? Well, definitely. I mean, Diego Corrales. He had a heart of a heart of a heart of a bull. Um, and to be honest, I didn't have much much. Uh, I didn't really follow much fighters from Northern California. As a young kid, my favorite fighter was was Pretty Boy Mayweather. Okay. And, um, but yeah, I would always watch. Diego Diego Corrales, like his old time old fights on Showtime, mm-hmm. right? And I remember he, he got he got, he was getting like he was getting beat up, and he got dropped and he got up and he dropped the other guy. I was like, damn, and that's what you that's what you call Wells right there. You're yeah, talking dude. about the uh, Jose Luis Castillo fight. Yep, yep, yep. Probably the best fight I've ever seen. The fight of the decade, yeah, definitely century. Oh, yeah. Actually, yeah. you know, yep. Most definitely, man. Yeah, I love Chico. I actually had a chance to talk to his dad, uh, who trained him, right. and uh, we we were able to sit and, have, and talk some great stories and stuff. You know, um, mm-hmm. you know, you know, be, being that you have Mexican descent, let me ask you about Andy Ruiz, bro. How how hmm. big and significant was that for you when you saw him win the? Uh, he was being the you know the first Mexican American or Mexican uh, heavyweight champion of the world. That's huge. He's putting. I mean, the Mexicans are already on the map, but he just put. He just adding points to the um to the billboard. So mm-hmm. that was that was a big thing. And then, how much did you? What did you put any thought when he lacked the discipline of retaining his title? Because for especially a lot of my listeners are Mexican American and they're Latinos and just base Latinos. Because it was it was an overall like even like Puerto Dominicans. Anybody that was uh, a Latino were celebrating this victory that, that he had this, you know, unified the, the heavyweight division. But when his excuse was, I wasn't disciplined, I didn't train, what, did, what were your thoughts about that? I thought that he should have took his, took his loss like a man. Um, I, I don't think he should, he should have said any excuses. I think he should have just said that it was Joshua's night. Um, everything happens for a reason, and congratulations to Joshua. You shouldn't have said that, oh, I didn't train hard enough, I didn't do this, I didn't do that. I mean, he should just take his loss like man. You know, there's one thing that Milcar and me have always been um, eye-to-eye about is when certain fighters like to take uh, an ethnicity and use it for themselves, such as like when Triple G was doing the Mexican style, Mexican style. That's actually something you could mm. really take because you are Mexican. So mm. are you going to, I mean, cause I don't see a whole lot, you know, um, what are your thoughts about that? You know, do you bring up the fact all the time that you're Mexican or do you, do you balance it out? Or is it really honestly fans just kind of fall in love with you because of your style? I want fans to fall, fall in love with me because of my style. Um, 
and I think just being Mexican is a plus. It's a huge plus, actually, because um, every person in Los Angeles, not every person, but a lot, there are a lot of Mexicans in Los Angeles, and they fill up that Staples Center. They're, they're huge boxing boxing lovers, and um, hopefully one day we can come to Staples Center and fill that arena. So, so does it make you? Because I know when I saw Triple G using that, which it's exciting me because it always feels good that another culture is um is is appreciating my culture, right? So when you saw mm-hmm. that for the very first time, did that did that excite you? And did it also make you feel like, well, I got to let people know that I'm Mexican too. I'm not just this Korean kid. I'm I'm Mexican too. I mm-hmm. have that in my blood, in my veins. Do you feel like do you have mm-hmm. to push that as well? No, not not really, because when I tell people I'm half Mexican, they don't even believe me. They really? Me, no, no, you're not. You're Chinito. <laughs> so I feel like when they, see me, when they see me fight, they'll get they'll get a, like a little respect from me. Yeah, everybody's gonna get respect from you, bro, with that right hand. Oh my God, what a beautiful right hand. Amilcar, have you seen this kid fight yet? I know you have, bro. You've had a oh, yeah, Brandon Lee fight. Yeah, absolutely. You're obviously a very exciting uh, young prospect, and we're looking forward to you uh, continuing, especially considering your weight division is so, you know, packed with talent and, and exciting fighters. Mm-hmm. Who do you see as the top uh, guys in the division, not mm-hmm. obviously including yourself? Like, who are the top guys that you're looking at as being the kings of the division right now? Um, I think the king of the division overall is probably Josh Taylor. Yeah, and then um, of course I gotta give Jose Ramirez his respect. He's a um, world champion. He also unified the world world title. So of course Jose Ramirez. Um, also from Northern California too, just like you. Yeah, Avenal, Central California. Oh yeah, sorry, yeah, you're but, right. yeah, yeah. But overall, I think those two are the top dogs. I mean, they have all the belts at 140. Mm-hmm. Uh so so Pro Gray gets no respect on that list. No, Progray Pro, Pro is one hell of a fighter as well. Um, I think he has some flaws. I mean, to be honest, he's too small for the weight class. Mm. Well, you're five ten. That's what I thought. So that's that's a that's actually pretty tall for that division, is, is mm-hmm. though, right? You know. Yeah. So I think you're gonna. Yeah. yeah, I think you can give a lot of folks a lot oh. of problems. You know, at 140 with that height. Thank you. Hopefully. Um, so when he fights Marissa Hooker, what what weight are they fighting at? Because I know Marissa Hooker went up to 147 his last fight. They're fighting it. They're fighting. That's a good question. They're fighting in a 143. Catch 43 pounds. Yep. Yep. Got it. Got it. That's the the category they're gonna meet each other, which is a great matchup, you know. Um, what do you think mm-hmm. about Jose Ramirez fighting uh, Victor Postal? Do you have any thoughts about I mean, that fight happening? Yeah, I I think Jose Ramirez probably knocks him out before eight. Um. Maybe not knock him out, but definitely catch him with the body shot and sit him down. And, uh, yeah, Jose Ramirez would be victorious. I can't can't argue with that prediction there. Brandon Lee, before we let you go, brother, tell me really quick, what's the message you have to the rest of the guys that are in your division? And, um, yeah, give us your take. They don't know me yet, but, shit, they're going to know my name real soon. I'll be popping up, knocking on the door real soon. <laughs> there you go, Brandon Lee on Showtime this weekend. Tune in, check him out. This kid's spectacular. Brandon Lee, gracias a la vez, man, for coming on, leaving the ring. Um, speak to you soon. And uh, Emily, tell your uh, PR, thank you very much, bro. Thank you. 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 Thank you.
having you come through on our thank show. You. Awesome. Thank, thank you. you very much. Best of luck, Brandon. Oh, but thank you. Get up our, the listeners of our show with your social media. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. So you guys can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Brandon underscore Lee. That's B-R-A-N-D-U-N underscore Lee, L-E-E. And um, awesome. follow me there. All right, so it's that it's a it. U, guys, not a not an O or so it's no, a U. Yeah. So that that's a U. That distinguishes Brandon from all the other Brandons. Yep, yep. There you go. All right, brother. Thank all you right, again. Thank man. you, guys. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Brandon. Right. Best of luck. Thank you. Take care, brother. Thank you. Bye. Junior welterweight Brandon Lee, who's fighting on Showtime on March 13th. Check him out. Uh, it's really, I mean, he's got a phenomenal right hand. You know, five uh, ten, really tall. Uh, Korean, Mexican, he's got a great combination of bloodline in him. So, um, you know, he's been mentioned to me numerous times from from fight folks in in the business here. They have told yeah. him you got to check him out. You got to you know watch him, and um, and tape that I witnessed on him from YouTube. I'm like, okay, we got something here, you know. Uh, and I think they're moving him up. And he's got a great manager. Cameron Duncan knows what he's doing. So, you know, that's a, that's a major plus, you know, and um, so I think there's going to be some big things there. So keep his name in mind, everybody that tuned in today on leaving the ring to listen to Brandon Lee. And I like the way he presents himself, not too cocky, but he's very confident. Yeah. I love it too. You know, he doesn't Uh, have that rah-rah. He's not that (laughs) rah-rah. No, no. Yeah. He he doesn't have the rah-rah, but, but you could, you You could see the the rah-rah, Kenny. You you need to teach him the rah-rah. See, if, if nah, any fighter nah, out if there it, wants a, a PR that can teach you the rah-rah, hit up Katie T. At Katie T <laughs> underscore T33. Or, <laughs> or, or, or if you want to learn it incorrectly, uh, hit up Deontay Wilder for that post-fight uh, uh, comment say, that he out. You're talking out Andy Ruiz for saying that he was partying too much. At least he didn't say he was wearing a suit. <laughs> oh man! Why, why think, are you talking out my boy Wilder, think, man? Well, what would Larasa have said, though, David? What would Larasa uh, have said had had Andy Ruiz said he was his trunks were too heavy or his suit was too heavy? Bro, bro, I, I, you know what? Even the black community, they got to be coming down on Wilder. They did, they did, you know, come down on. You him, saw you know the millions of memes. Yeah, bro. I mean, but yeah, bro. Anything. Everybody be like, your, your, your fucking your, your costume, dude. You look like a pichi pañata when you came. <laughs> but the king will return once again. The king. We will rise. Rule over his, will... his his people. He literally does think he's in an episode of fucking Game of Thrones, though. When you think about it. Oh my God, bro! Don't even bring that up. And his, that was heartbreaking and his, for his me. Team, between the two, his outfits, the way he's speaking, his yeah. outfits remind me of of of, of Michael Jackson uh, uh, when he used to. Um, I forgot. What, 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 uh, I mean, uh, the black Michael Jackson. Not even the mask, but the, but the, like the the thing he wears on his chest that looks. I don't know. It has the shoulders that come out. With the little tassels coming down. The oh, you're side. talking about the costume. So Mike- oh yeah. yeah, yeah, that's so Michael yeah. Jackson like. So and then the and then the, the mask. I thought it was. Yeah, I, I, I thought yeah. it was more. 
I thought it was more uh, Rhythm Nation from Janet Jackson, to tell you the truth. That's, that's what I thought. He needed the Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis entrance music. He did, bro. <laughs> Don't knock yeah. on my boys, Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis, the New Yo, York those, Swing. Those New Jack Swing. The best, they learn from Prince, man. They learn from the best. Yes, they did, man. Absolutely. Uh, five fans, you want to call in, certainly can. 347-215-7598. Let's talk boxing here on Leaving the Ring. Don't forget to press the subscribe button, hit the like button, and hit the notify button so that when we're on live or any of the shows that we do present here through the network, uh, you're notified and you can catch up with it. Um, let's get back to boxing here. So April 18th, and it's, it's been announced in Phoenix. David Benavides is going to be finding Alexis Angulo. Originally, a couple people were hitting me up uh, on our Leaving the Ring Gmail. They were saying, dude, he's fighting El Perro, Alfredo Angulo. And I was like, oh, no, no, don't tell me that. But no, no it turned out to be. No, nah, no mommy. No mommy. But instead, it, it's Alex Angulo, who, though, is um, it's not he's not the most biggest threat for David Benavides. But it is, he is a fighter that's a keep busy type of fight. Um, it's not a fight that I would have liked. To see happen, I would have loved to see him to fight some of the top three guys or four or five guys and the division of 168. Uh, but instead, you know, uh, the PBC did what they had to do. And remember this, though, like I said earlier, if I'm a betting man, I'm going to start yeah. betting with the underdogs because, you know, a lot of times what I'm starting to see with the PBC namers, the guys that are pulling in the headlines is that they're coming a bit short. Andrew Reeves is one of them. Remember, he's a PBC guy. Wasn't disciplined, you know. Uh, the same thing with uh, um, uh, what's that? Charlo, Julian Charlo Williams, versus Charlo versus yep. Harrison. Harrison, Julian that's another Williams. one. Williams, yep. you know. Uh, now you got Adam Klonowski. He is another kid. So these things are starting to look like a trend here, which, in all realness, that is fun for us as fight fans because it is should be a wake up call for some of these fighters. You can't sleep on it. You gotta, you gotta yeah. be awake, even though they're training or whatever. Some of them are not, but you can't sleep on it. Let me ask you this, Abel Carr. Julian mm-hmm. J. Rock, Julian Williams announced in his trainer as well, Breadman said they're not going to take that immediate rematch with Rosado. They're deciding to take a step back. They're going to hold off a little bit. I, I think it's they a smart move. Smoke. What do you think? They don't want that smoke, but I wouldn't want that yeah, smoke. You know, and at the end of the day, I honestly think that. The, uh, you know, uh, Deontay's brain trust and management team are cashing him out, man. Because if they really cared about him coming back and, you know, being able to, to contend actually legitimately for a title again, they would give him a little bit of a break and follow it up with some some tune-up fights. So I think Breadman and, and, uh, and J-Rock are doing the right thing here. You know, don't jump right back into the rematch. You don't need that. Hey, man. All I want to say is, you know, I want to big up my dude, Jason Rosario, all right? If you look right here with my fingers pointing on the YouTube, yeah, yep. that's the little Dominican flag thing right there. I'm Dominican as well. And Jason Rosario, like I said last time, is one of the very few respectable Dominican fighters that exist in boxing. The, I didn't boxing know you were Dominican. that's big in the Dominican. I yeah, did man. not know you were Dominican, bro. I just thought you were just really yeah. light-skinned white boy with a, uh, with a little ponytail. <laughs> He's Dominican for, for, for Rosario. Uh, <laughs> this is true. Yeah. 
Yeah. But yeah, man. Yeah, yeah man. I, I just had to, I just had, I just had to give that that shout out one more time, just because yeah, boxing is not big in the Dominican community. It's just not big, and to see a, a Dominican champion, you need to go outside. That's also not. That's yeah. That's you also to, not. You need to go outside. Fighter. You need you need you need to go outside because I'm pretty sure plenty of people thought you were this white guy with the ponytail. You need to get some sun here, Kenny. I'm trying to help you out. You need some vitamin D. I don't think there's nothing I can do about it. It's funny. <laughs> There, there's nothing I can do about it. I go in the sun, I tan, and, and two months later, I'm back to the slight skin guy that you see. There's nothing I can do about it. Oh, my it, God. Yeah. You're not the first Dominican guy that I've met, though, that is that pale. I, I, really, I mean, I'm like, I thought you guys you know, supposed to be a little darker than that. It's crazy how it Definitely. works, though, David, because I'm the darkest of my siblings, and really? my younger sister is like the same shade as Kenny. Yeah. So, you know, in the Caribbean where we have these mixes, it's you know, you got one grandmother or grandfather that's one way, another that's the other, and sometimes the grandkids get get more in line with with one than the other. Yeah, it, yeah. It's funny because in my family, it actually doesn't even make sense. Both my grandparents are dark, and then all of their <laughs> kids are all light. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it makes no sense. My grandparents are both dark. No, then all their kids are light. Sense. Then all their kids are light. Yeah. Hey, if it, it didn't make well, sense to you. Were they if doing it the didn't Sammy make sense to you, Kenny. What was that? I was asking Kenny if they were doing the Sammy Sosa, aka the the yeah, Michael Jackson. No, 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 no. <laughs> I was no. gonna say, I was gonna say this. I was gonna say this, Kenny. If it didn't make sense to you, you imagine what your grandparents thought when they saw you when you came out. Like, holy shit! <laughs> well, who's this guy? Blanquito. Who's kid is this? <laughs> but you, but but you know what? If you look back at the history of the Dominican Republic, uh, yeah, there's a lot of tragic uh, European rape that happened in our history. So, you absolutely, know, it, it all yeah. comes from that. So, it yes, is. Yep. It is. But uh, yeah, mm-hmm. uh, I guess let's take it back to boxing. Jason Rosado, let's take it back for you, my brother. And uh, let's take it back. Here. Huey Fury. How about Huey Fury? Let's talk about I Huey. Huey. What, what, what about him? I was impressed. Granted, the opposition was low, but. He definitely decided to sit down on his punches and be aggressive and fight going forward on the front foot, and he got the guy out of there. So, you know, one other thing about Fury that I've always been impressed by is he does have a very good chin. He does. And he takes a shot, and he's got good defense. He rolls with punches. He he obviously, uh, you know, can move can move very well going backwards. He's got good head movement for a big guy. So if he... he- what he's saying is true, and he did actually have a legit hand injury, and that's what was preventing him from throwing hard shots. You know, he's only 25, so he's got a, a some time here. You know, I just hope they do what Eddie Hearn said, which is kind of move him a little bit slower. We don't need to see him in with guys like Povetkin or Joseph Parker or, or uh, you know, these other guys he's fought at, at a high level just yet. Let's let's give him a time, some time to develop in this new style. You know the, the 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 part that's sad is that a lot of this happens to a lot of guys that have a recognizable last name. You know, uh, Huey Fury is you know related to Tyson Fury. And I think at the mm-hmm. time was everybody thought that he was going to be equal or better um, to his to to yeah, his. Man. You know, he got his, hair. Right, right. I'm joking. So, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> so I think that that. That's what kind of gave him the setback, and I'm happy to hear that they're going to take a little bit slow. He fought sour. Um, his his hand speed was there. He put in his punches 
very well. And I agree with you, Milkar. I think that he did look really good, but the pump of the brakes is what should have been done a few fights earlier, you know, um, because, you know, putting him, trying to put him in tough, I, I don't think he was ready. I was hoping that he was going to be ready, but we saw that he wasn't. So it's good that they're going to take that step back because he's not damaged goods yet, right? No, he's not, and he's still young, and he hasn't been, he's been in tough fights, but he really hasn't been in all-out wars because of his defensive style. So, again, if they take their time, they match him well, they develop him well, you know, and they don't throw him in there with, with the Lions just yet, I think that, that there is some, some possibility that he'll develop into a top, top heavyweight. Do you really think that? that that's, that's hard for me to, to actually agree with. Let me just answer his question really quick. Just think about the heavyweights that are 25 and younger and ask yourself who else is really out there right now at that age. There's F.A. There's Jagba, there's Daniel Dubois, there's Huey Fury. That's pretty much it. So and you got to remember about, that Huey Fury is, is young. And most heavyweights don't peak yeah. until they're 30. Exactly. I, I, you know what? I, I, guess, I guess when you put it in that perspective, it, it does make some sense what you're saying. I just, you know, the kid has already had a lot of wear and tear for, for such a young man at the heavyweight division. He's fought some serious competition. Uh, he's gotten hurt by some serious competition. I guess, like you said, the right thing is to move him along slowly, get him some experience, get him, let him get a little used to his new boxing stuff. Uh, as opposed to throw him in there with the Lions. But, uh, you know, how long you, – you can't keep him fighting, uh, like, good competition for the next five years until he becomes yeah. 30 or so. But here's the thing. Look at how long it took AJ in terms of his age. Granted, it was 16 fights, but he wasn't fighting guys like Povetkin when he was 23 or 24. You know, he wasn't fighting guys like Kubrat Pulev. And don't forget, Huey Fury went the distance with all these guys. He's never been knocked out. Huey Fury boxed Joseph Parker at like 22. You know? Yeah. I think I think he was just rushed. Now, if rushed, you look at who... Young, who F. unexperienced. Yeah, if you look at who F.A. Ajagba, who's the same age, in fact, I think he's older than Huey Fury, has fought, like, he's got nothing like this on his, on his resume. On his resume, probably, no. Joseph Parker, Pavetkin, and Kubrat Pulev, who a lot of people didn't want to fight which is something that you've even mentioned before, Kenny. So, look, I just think he, he, in those three fights, he took, off, took on way too much, way too early. I could co-sign that. I could definitely yeah. co-sign that. Um, yeah, I, I, I do co-sign that. Just like, like I said, I, just, I can't see him being dragged along for five years. You say he's 25, you, and then David said that 30 is the age where heavyweights come into power. I can't see him being dragged along for five years fighting fight a second-tier competition as opposed to the top dogs, you know? But that's literally, what, that's literally what Deontay Wilder's people did. Deontay's yeah, 30. I see that. Yeah. He didn't fight anybody until he was about 30. Exactly. It, it can happen, th- Kenny, because it's, it's, it has to be spread out. It's not like we're going to be solely focused on, on, on Huey, you know, um, at this point right now, because they're going back into a development stage. So it can happen. You know, there's no, there's no wrong in it. It's it, only thing is, is that they, they, they pre-rushed them. Now they pump in the brakes. 
And now we are gonna. Th- what's gonna happen though is that marketing and redeveloping them back when they when they start stepping them up, it, it, it could either be a task, which I don't think it will be because of his last name. Um, it could be good for him. It could be bad for him. And it can go both ways. You know what I mean? These are just you know, could this help him or could this hurt him? You know, could he be patient because he's already got a little bit of taste of 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 you know, having having the chance to get these big fights. I'm not sure. So that's kind of seen, uh, soon to be seen by him and his team and, and what plan strategically what they're going to do for the kid. Hey, on March 14th, the comeback of James Kirtland Mandingo against Marcos Hernandez is a 10-round fight in the middleweight division. Let me ask you guys, what do you guys think here about James Kirtland going in with the madman Marcus Hernandez? You know, Marcus Hernandez isn't exactly an elite fighter, but I really don't need to be seeing uh, James Kirtland anytime soon. Look, I spent a lot of the weekend <laughs> tweeting, tweeting out or, or uh, sending WhatsApp messages to people about Joe Biden, uh, videos that have kind of shown his cognitive decline and, you know, why right. he would be a terrible uh, – you know, nominee for president. the Democrats and an even mm-hmm. worse president. And, you know, I don't want to see James Kirkland looking like Joe Biden, you know, in his 30s and 40s. You know, but he is. unable to bring sentences together, not know what state he's in, you know, hmm. can't tell the difference between his wife and his sister. And I could go on and on about Joe Biden. You know, we don't need to see boxers like that. Um, right. So... You know, I'm I'm hoping that at at some point people just say no. You know, there's better ways to earn a living because let's be honest, his payday for this fight can't really be that big. Let, let's mm-hmm. let, let's <clears throat> let the guy transition into something else. Let's, you know, I don't know if there's something other skills that he has or something else that he can do, but boxing is a brutal game, and you're really reminded by, about that when you see cases like James Kirkland. You know, he's already slurring words last time I saw him on, on, yep. on in an interview. Yeah, I mean, you know, <clears throat> Kirtland is the perfect example of a guy that lacked, lacked discipline. He needed Ann Wolf. Ann Wolf, you know, when you talk about father figure, Ann Wolf was that figure. And it wasn't even enough to keep him in the ring. It wasn't even enough to keep him on the right path. You know, uh, Kirtland just didn't, he lacked that, that. He had that fire when he got in the ring under her tutelage, but once he got out of there, the streets really got a hold of him. And uh, now he's pretty much fighting, in my opinion, and what I've been told, he's fighting for a paycheck. He's no longer fighting for for greatness. We don't think we're going to see that, uh, you know, with James Kirtland. So I honestly think what's going to happen is Marcus Hernandez, excuse me, Madman Marcus Hernandez, who's now being trained by ex- uh, uh, heavyweight uh, um, contender Kristen Oriella's trainer, which is Henry Ramirez. I, yeah. I think that Marcus is going to go out there because Henry does like to show his guys to get in there and mix it up and walk a guy down. Uh, this could turn out to be a very interesting fight, or this could be this could definitely turn out a horrible night for James Kirtland if his body is not right. If his body reacts and looks like Scott Quigg, 
we may once again see the towel being thrown in or just see another devastating KO the way Canelo got over on Kirtland. Yeah. And hey, yeah, I, I, thought, I, was about to say, I thought he should retire after the Canelo KO. I mean, I that agree. was the nastiest KOs I've ever seen. Yeah. As, as I say, I wholeheartedly agree, you know. Uh, <laughs> it, it, I just, uh, yeah, it was a fancy <laughs> KO. Uh, he got knocked down several times. It, it, it just looked, it looked sad in there. Uh, the, 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 the facial reaction after that last punch, the shock on his face after that last knockdown by Canelo. I don't want to see that again. And if you look at uh, the last people he's fought after Canelo, like you said, they're definitely just paycheck fights. They're not uh, uh, fights for any type of belt or any type of uh, going up the ranks or anything like that. So, yeah, I think the guy should call it quits way ahead of time before he ends up in a sad case like Muhammad Ali. We always have to remember Muhammad Ali and, and everything, the Parkinson's and everything that happened to him afterwards. Guys. Yeah, I really like James Kirtland. You know, we covered him for so many years. Um, we were there. We got him on immediately when he I got um, uh, when when he uh, um, um, when he was on a hiatus. He came on immediately. Didn't want to speak to anybody except for leaving the ring. Uh, I remember, know, we that. followed him. You remember that we we followed him course, for a very long time. And uh, you and you did a great interview with him. Yep, and same thing with Angulo. When Angulo was incarcerated, when he immediately was released, on his way driving back home, uh, he was on the phone with Leaving the Ring uh, to discuss with us. No, Pala says, hey, how about Angulo-Kirtland rematch? Um, if it's solely for the money, I, I think so. I think Angulo still has a little bit more left in the tank than Kirtland, though, um, even though he surprised me when he beat up Kid Chocolate, but I never thought very much of Kid Chocolate, guys. I just was never a fan of him. I thought he had too many flaws. No. PBC was doing a great job matchmaking him, um, and I knew that eventually it was going to catch up. I mean, Kid Chocolate does have an up above on Andy Andy Lee uh, getting that win, but I knew that eventually that all that was going to catch up, and uh, I was surprised that Angulo took it because of uh, how Angulo's looked in his previous fights, but it was a great win for Angulo. I don't want to see Alfredo Angulo or James Kirtland, honestly, um, leave it in the ring. And what I mean by that is exactly what Emil Carr had brought up, you know. Um, I want well, to see you, these kids walk away with their bearings. You, we got, um, you know, we got a no Paolo Boxeanos asking about how about an Angulo Kirkland rematch. You know, it would definitely be exciting, but just morally and ethically as fans, knowing what they've gone through and knowing, you know, how compromised their brains must be. I just, I just don't personally want to see that. Yeah, I don't, even though I personally would want to see Brandon Ruiz versus Victor Ortiz still, but that one, I don't. <laughs> what a thirsty ghoul we are, man. Um, as fight fans, yeah, you, you know, Brandon Rios. Brandon Rios. Yeah. Brandon Rios. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, hey, let me ask you guys about this on the same day, uh, because James Curley is going to be on Fox on on uh, ESPN Plus. You're going to have Shakur Stevenson fighting Mayanaga for the WBO featherweight title in New York for 12 rounds. Uh, what do you guys think about that kid? Uh, Shakur Stevenson. Shakur Stevenson. Sounded like there was more sirens going outside. Uh, Kenny, Kenny's spot. Um, Definitely is outside my place. 
Uh, I've seen Shakur Stevenson fight live, actually, a few times at the Garden on, on top-ranked cards. At first, I wasn't that impressed by him. Um, but as he's developed, he's kind of de- generated more power and more of a knockout instinct. And he's kind of grown on me quite a bit. Uh, you know, the outside the ring stuff I'm not too happy about. Uh, I'm sure you right. guys know what I'm referring to there. So it's yep. it's hard mm-hmm. for me to become a fan of, of a guy who does that kind of stuff, you know, outside the ring. But inside the ring, he has definitely improved. And I personally think this is going to be a good test uh, for hey. him because, uh, you know, the, the kids come in to fight. Yeah, he, he's yeah, going to always come in to fight, you know. He says, yeah, you can. I mean, uh, uh, you know. That happened when he was like 19 or 20. I think I think it's forgivable. Kids make mistakes. The kid is 22 now. I think the, the, the situation we're talking about happened when he was either 19 or 20. It's forgivable. He was a young man, young kid. He's, he was growing up. It's okay. It happens. Now, as an older man, that's when it becomes a problem. So, like, Sorry, Sergei, go for it, Sergei Kovalev, how many second chances is he going to get? He's got another know. chance. Hey, he no chance <laughs> I don't. It's not even second chance. It's going down. I mean, how many chances this guy's having he's to get another know. payday? He's, he's got a man. He's got more lives, lives in the cat, man. Beating I know. Up the women. cats are actually young yep. driving. It's, it's ridiculous. Yep. Yep. Even cats are looking at him going like, damn, he's got a lot of lives. That motherfucker's yeah. got a lot of lives over there. You know? Sergey <laughs> Kovalev. Uh, uh, question. I think Miguel Mariaga is going to bring it, and, and I think he's going to test Shakur. I think he's going to bring it, but I think uh, uh, Mariaga is just uh, – he's not what we – he was not who he is five years ago, in my opinion. I think no, that he's going to no, probably give him right. rounds. Yeah, I think he's going to give Shakur some rounds. Um I think Shakur was sitting down in his punches because of the rivalry we had with Hoyt uh, because of the girlfriend situation. Um, yeah. I thought he fought a perfect fight in that fight. Um, I thought that was the best I've ever witnessed him. So this one here, it, it could be a bit different. It could either go south on him or we saw the maturity and development we saw that night, uh, you know, the last time he stepped in the ring. I'm, I'm interested in seeing it. I just don't have hopes that Mayaga is going to come out there and do anything of what the uh, the Hellenists, Robert Hellenists of the world have done. The the only not at all. The only, no, I don't. But what what I do like about this fight is that oftentimes when guys are at where they are in their careers in terms of uh, where Shakur is, you you'd see him at 126 taking on a guy who was best at 118 or at 122 maybe, but not a guy who's fought most of his career at the weight class. At least in this fight, he's taking on, on someone who's been a career featherweight and even fought at super heavyweight, super featherweight, sorry, and who is, you know, 5'8", um, not short, not small, not coming up from the lower weight classes. So, you know, he did go to distance with Walters, I think, if if I remember correctly. And, um, you know, he, he's he's durable. So I just don't, see him getting blasted out of there but i do expect uh shakur to to get well to take he, rounds and, and get the win good thing is shakur is not a not a killer he doesn't he doesn't carry this killer punch you know but he does carry uh very precise combinations that could cause uh Miriadega to back off a bit or 
Chaotica came in to, to, to win, came to, t- you know, take the win. So I think that's what makes it the most interesting um, of, of the fight. I think that's the interesting part of the fight is that Stevenson doesn't have this one-punch knockout power, but he also doesn't have that power to completely keep you off if you close that distance, you know? And I think that Moyarga has that style, which we've seen. He can come in and, and close that distance fast. But are his legs fresh, fresh enough right now, Milkar? That's my question. You know, 33, I think, is his age. Uh, and he is a smaller fighter, so it's definitely past his prime. You know, we don't know. You know, I'll, I'll make a more of a prediction closer to the weight class. Oh, sorry, it's closer to the weigh-in. And uh, see how he's looking. I haven't really seen too much training video from him. Um, I'll look into that as well. I, again, I'm not expecting him mm-hmm. to necessarily get in there and, and blast out uh, Shakur or, or even get the win. But I do expect him to, to take him rounds. Yeah, there's uh, a, you know, there, he definitely can say that he doesn't need rounds, Shakur. We need to see something more out of him because we've seen him in rounds. We know what he can do when given all the rounds that are put up in front, in front of him. Um, we need to see him, though, now start sitting down more on his punches because I think it's to say we have seen more of a – we've seen more of a, his amateur style, but – his last fight, we've kind of seen him kind of shake it off a little bit, which makes it exciting. Sorry, Kenny, I cut you off. What were you about to say? No, no problem, no problem. Just about to say, um, uh, well, time to put my fanboy hat on. Um, okay, let's go. Uh, turn, turn the hat. You are the fanboy. Time to time to put the fanboy hat on. No, I just have to I have to big up. Hold on, uh, no, wait, wait, before Stevenson. you even say that. Before you even get into the fanboy, uh, um, start, you know, ranting your fanboy talk. Let's, get, let's hit the mood. <laughs> there you go. All right, here we go. The fanboy, go. The fanboy anthem. The fanboy a- anthem for Kenny T here. Go ahead, Kenny. What were you going to say? <laughs> All right, so um, just looking at Shakur Stevenson and his record, you know, he's 13 and 0. 13 and 0. After. Six, no, after two, four, six, after six fights, he no, after five fights, he dramatically stepped, stepped up the comp- level of competition that he was fighting to go to fight dudes with over 10 wins, with undefeated records, with a, a lot more fights than he has. Uh, after another four fights, he went from fighting dudes that had 10 fights total to dudes that had 20 fight totals, 20 wins. You know, like the dude has dramatically elevated his the, the the people that he's fighting fight by fight, and he's increasing his skill. The, the kid is super fast. He has super accurate punches. Very efficient what he does. Not super powerful yet, but he's a young man, so it's okay. Give him. Give, who knows? Maybe this fight we'll see the power, or the next couple of fights, because he's just at that age where he starts developing that natural power and muscle. Um, I do see him. I do see him stopping Miguel Mariaga, not with the one punch power, but with the flurry of punches, TKO type of stoppage. Uh, I see that. I don't know what rounds. I'm not gonna guess around, but I do see it being a, a, a stoppage type of fight. Uh, uh, and this is a definitely a really really good fight for Shakur Stevenson, being that Mariaga is 29 and three. You know, and he's again, been in there. Mariaga's been Stevenson there with some names, is, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Exactly. And, and the most recognizable is, name is on, on his resume. 
Right. And my, uh, Miguel Mariaga is the most recognizable name on that resume. And I agree with you, Kenny. I think he stops him. I think he stops him in the later rounds. Um, and I think it's because of the combination. Like I said, he's very precise. He's very precise in his punches. The what, how, what we saw of him last time, and, and it was Hoy, what was it, Hoy Gonzalez, his last name in Mokar, that he fought the, the brother-in-law, his own brother-in-law, or the future brother-in-law. Yeah, um, that's it. The, pre, the pre-fight stuff for that fight was more interesting than the fight itself. The fight itself, right? And I thought because Hoyt didn't step it up, he didn't press on the gas, he fought with, he had passion in the interviews, but he fought with no passion in the ring. That, I'm hoping that Miguel produces where Hoyt left off, because that's what uh, uh, Shakur needs. He needs a dance partner that's going to force him to be the best. And that's what we're waiting for. So he is the biggest name on that resume. I'm looking forward for that fight to see what more do we get out of the assessments of uh, Shakur Stevenson, uh, Stevenson on, on the 14th of March. Um, in about 10 more minutes, we're going to be bringing on trainer Manny Robles on the show here on Leaving the Ring. So bear with us really quick. I want to yeah. talk about in brief, brief talk here. Just really fast, I do want to bring up uh, Canelo Alvarez versus B.J. Saunders, which is not officially, if I, if, if it serves me right, my memory, not officially announced yet, guys. But it looks like that's the track they're going to take. Uh, just quickly, though, I'd like the listeners, if they can, to uh, to get on the chat, send in your questions for Manny Robles, uh, send in your questions for us, so that we can also kind of discuss what's on your mind. Now, in terms of the Canelo Alvarez uh, situation, David, what, what are your thoughts? What are you thinking about that? Uh, you remember that scene in Rocky, in the first, uh, first Rocky movie, where, um, where Mickey takes him to the backyard and he throws that chicken and he tells Rocky to chase it for his footwork and all that? That's what I, I have to envision Canelo's got to do when it comes to B.J. Saunders. Yeah. My big question is, has his bum knee fully healed? Obviously, I think it has, or else they would have decided to move on, if they do move on, to fight B.J. Saunders. You know, um, this could be a really interesting fight, guys, or this can be a really dull fight. You know, it, it, this could really, honestly, this is, the, the, the outcome is really, in my opinion, up to B.J. Saunders. Is he going to come to fight? Is he going to try to try to, you know, um, expose the things that, that you know, Arislandi Lara did and Floyd Mayweather had done when he was younger and try to show that, hey, he still has problems the way Gennady Golovkin showed that he still has problems with movers. Boxers, I'm not quite sure. You know, it is a B.J. Saunders show, as you guys all know it. He takes over the mic. He's got a good gift of gab. And Kenny will be happy. He's a raw, raw kind of guy, you know? Yeah. So, uh, I, David, I was very surprised that uh, Canelo chose to fight Billy Joe Saunders. So let's be clear. Canelo, at this stage in his career, chooses who he wants to fight. He's essentially moving now between three weight divisions, 160, 168, and 175. And when you think about all of the people that he could have fought in those weight divisions, I don't really understand why a guy in his position, unless he really is interested in testing himself, would want to fight Billy Joe Saunders. You're talking about a slick guy, uh, a guy who cuts weight significantly, 
Um, he's he's a, he's a you know a strong, sturdy guy. I personally can't remember him being knocked down in the fight. If anyone can correct me on that, you know, um, send that in he's, on the he's chat. He's not there, he's not there long enough to be knocked down. You know, BJ Saunders. Yeah, I mean, very my head, smart. I remember right. him getting he's knocked down. And guy. Like, very intelligent. And you know what? Every time he's shitty human being, up, he's a shitty he's human being, it. but he's a very intelligent guy. Yeah, and and every time he's stepped up, he's shown that he's got the goods. I mean, he, look, people say he's boring. Look at the Andy Lee fight. That wasn't a boring fight, you know. He, right. he schooled Lemieux in a way that I haven't seen Lemieux school before. Um, he schooled Chris Eubanks Jr. Um, you know, he he personally, I thought he would he would have beaten a lot of the top British guys out there, including Carl Frosch, had had he taken taken that fight. I, I I feel that he would beat Callum Smith based on the last fight that I saw of Callum Smith. If I was Canelo, I would have gone after Callum Smith. A much more I would have too. Uh, straightforward, um, straightforward guy uh, that I think had Canelo invested in a body attack against would have uh, would have handled um, Billy Joe. He he's not going to be standing there uh, to be absorbing no. body. He's got no, a he's a Rubik's player. Cube. He's a Rubik's Cube that he got to figure out. And I think that's what makes it very interesting, in my opinion. Because, yeah. you know, like I said, BJ, BJ could either go night by giving us a shit fight, or he can make it very interesting the way he did against Lemieux, what you just mentioned. Um, I say that, that for them to pick BJ Saunders tells me, you know, one thing that's significant is that his knee is healed up completely. It's not bummed so that he feels comfortable to cut off the ring and, and, and shorten that ring up so he could trap B.J. Saunders. Because in reality, B.J. Saunders is going to be on some track shoes. He's going to definitely um, uh, not be there to be hit. He is a puzzle to be figured out. I'm going to call in um, – Coach Manny uh, uh, Robles here on, on leaving the ring. Just give me a few seconds here, and I'll give him a call. And then um, what's to conduct this interview? So if you do have any questions like Emil Carr just mentioned right now, you can post it on the chat or tweet us. Yep, tweet us, chat at us. Uh, it's one of the benefits of doing the show on YouTube. I know we get a lot more listeners on, on the radio show but and on the podcast, but... YouTube and, and engage with us for doing the show. What's up? What's up? Is this Manny? Yes, sir. Coach Manny? Coach Manny, get us all, man. How you doing, brother? Welcome to Leave the Ring Radio. I it's my pleasure. I've interviewed a few I've interviewed you a few times, uh, which I'll I'll read I'll visit memory lane with you. Um, but first okay. off, I want to tell you thank you, man, for coming on. It's 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 very, we're all excited here. Uh, that you, you're here on, on Leaving the Ring with myself, David Duenas, with Emil Carr, my co-host, and our producer, Kenny T, man. So thank you again. You're, you're very guest and very welcome. Thank you for having me. Thank so you. I want to I revisit some memory lanes here with you, okay? Honestly, All right. Yeah, I'm pretty sure, man, that everybody <clears throat> asks you about Andy Ruiz and this and this and that, but there's, there's some other things I wanted to talk to you about, and that's why I wanted to have you on the Please. show. Please. Please. So... <laughs> I don't think I don't think a lot of people know this, but 
has Joe Sanders, has he ever called you to still thank you for taking over the Matadors when you were an assistant coach in the beginning and he decided to go off at a distance instead of sticking around for the L.A. Matadors? No, no, not at all. Oh, wow, that's funny that you asked it. That was a long time ago, yeah. Okay, we're <laughs> right? going back 10 years. We're going back, we're going bro. Back I'm taking years. you back. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm that guy. What's that, what's that actor's name that took everybody back to the future? Uh, I'm doing that right now with you. I'm going to do that with that's you, Michael bro. Michael J. Fox. Michael, Michael J. J. Fox, Fox right? okay. So, so uh-huh. you, were, you were the head coach for the L.A. Matadors. How disappointed, uh-huh. man, how disappointed were, were you when it all fell apart? Because the, the, the strategy and, and the direction that they were going, it seemed on point. You know, they were going to create, like, a, a franchise for every city to get behind. And it looked like it was working. You know, like, it looked like it was working. There was people that were filling up, you know, the, the, the arenas you guys were holding the events at. Um, every time I covered it, I mean, there was tons of people to, to support Chris Pearson, Rashid uh, Warren, uh, uh, Javier Torres, all these kids that were fighting under your under your name. I mean, under your tutelage at the yeah. time. Jo- Joseph Diaz, uh, Tarah Goucher, uh, you know, uh, American fighters. That is uh, some some uh, um, some good good fighters that eventually became Olympians and and then moved on to become world champions at Barkley. So. Yeah, it was it was a good league. Uh, I I was in it for a couple of years until I uh, you know there was too much uh, chaos, so I I stepped down from my from my position as head coach. And but it was it was good. It was banging, man. It was it was fun. Uh, it's particularly here in Southern California. You know, we used to fight in Hollywood, so we used to pack right. the house every time we fought, and we used to yeah, I mean, celebrity there, everything. Yeah. Oh man, it was phenomenal. You know, but, I loved it. You know, we got to. You got to give it to. You got to. You got to give it to our our, um, our our the manage the manage the team managers that we had at the time were Rich Rich Orozco and uh, and Ray right. Dustar. They did an awesome job with with the team, and they they, you know, uh, the, I want to say that the LA Matadors is probably the best team. Market marketing wise, we were probably the best team in the world over teams in Milan and Russia right. and where there were you know the league was a world Miami. Team, but I, I, yep. Yeah, you know we we came out with the 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 knockouts, the uh, the uh, LA the the Matador knock. We had the, our cheerleaders, and then from there on, everybody started adding cheerleaders to the to their team, and because it was kind of like you know the, the we were the Matadors were to boxing what the Lakers were to the NBA or, or right. you know, uh, the Rams to the, to the NFL, you know what I'm saying here in California. So, so yeah, we were, you know, it was, it was fun. It was fun. Yeah. I mean, because the buzz of it was, that's what they were trying to implicate. You know, they were trying to create mm-hmm. that, that aura mm-hmm. of, you know, uh, having a team to support, mm-hmm. uh, put it in on your back. Um, and it was really, it was really moving. It was, it was, it started, it was. Right, and it, but it started falling apart when the the money issue was one that I remember because we were covering it, and then the the uh-huh. because the kids were told when they were signing on that this wouldn't affect them, um, that that a loss would not carry on to the pros. Uh-huh. Right, and it uh-huh. did. Do you remember that? It did. It did for for a period in, in time, but then it, then again right. it didn't. Right, uh, because uh, you know fighters like. Uh, you know, like some of the fighters that that I just mentioned to you, they they fought, they they lost, they won right. some, they must, they probably lost one or two fights, and 
but they it never counted in the record, in the professional record. So in the right. beginning it did, but then it was erased. Yeah, they understood that that they they were they were amateurs or still amateurs. So obviously, if you if you you can't fight as a well, it was in their contract, then, right? It was yeah, in their contract correct, correct. that that they couldn't affect mm-hmm. her when they turned pro. But then when it slipped yeah. through the you know through the cracks, and somebody went uh-huh. and said, "Hey, what what do you what are you guys doing here?" Yeah. Just really quick. Well, to, it was it, it was it was yeah because they were getting paid, and you know amateurs can't get paid. So get paid if right. If you're getting paid, that makes you a professional fighter. You know, right? And everywhere right. else in the world, you were fine except for here, the U.S. You know, in the U.S. Right. There, there was, you know, they had a team in Miami, they had a team in Memphis, and obviously the L.A. Matadors. So, you know, every time you fight, it, it counted on your professional record. Like I said, if you're getting paid, but then now, you know, luckily, all of that was erased, and it ain't counting a record. Fortunately enough for all of the guys. Yeah, and just to catch speed for everybody that's listening, I'm talking about the World Series of Boxing. A lot of folks actually mm-hmm. didn't even know about it. Uh, you know, yeah. he, I'll give you some big names that came out of the World Series of Boxing. Lomachenko, mm-hmm. Usyk Absolutely. were participants of the World Series uh-huh. of Boxing. It's just Michael it's so Carlin, Joe Joyce, Joe Joyce, John Joe yeah. Joyce, Michael Carlin. Ah, man, a lot. Like I said, a lot of, a lot of, a lot of greats. A lot of. Fighters that are making a lot of noise today. Uh, Usyk was in the in the in the WSB as well, World Series right. of Boxing. Yeah, right. You know, exactly. and look at him and look at him now, right? Don't you be talking about some of the top fighters in the world as a, as a press professional? That is right. That were they were part of the World Series of Boxing, so it worked. If it you, worked. If you, if you think yeah. about it, it worked. It did. It, it really. Did, it really did. Yeah. Until they you ran know, out of money. <laughs> exactly. Oh my God. And you know what's kind of sad is that you. You know, when people when people bring your name, your name obviously is going to be attached through history with Andy Ruiz, right? The first Mexican mm-hmm. heavyweight champion of the world, which mm-hmm. congratulations, you know. Um, you. I, I fully believe that he wouldn't have gotten there if you weren't there to, to, to guide him because – Appreciate that. Not not a lot of folks know this, but you were you were working with a kid that had potential as well. That was a Mexicano to be a heavyweight and a good heavyweight, a great mm-hmm. heavyweight possibly. Javier Torres. Mm-hmm. Right, right, right. Correct. What, and, and what, what uh, happened with you know, him? Do you I mean, think? No, no, no. I don't know really. I mean, you know, it, it's a, it's a tough sport, man. Boxing. It's uh only a few, only only a handful of fighters really do get to make it to to, to this level. You know, and yeah. Javier was a, a good fighter himself, but you know, I mean, just he got married, and and you know, uh, he had to get a job, and you know, uh-huh. and but it was just one of those situations where you know that, that marriage thing, that that marriage thing is a kryptonite, <laughs> man. <laughs> I always, hey, right. hey, Benny, I always tell Coach Benny, I always tell my kids, I always look at them and go, and my kids were like, "What are you looking at, Dad?" And I go, "I'm looking at my Lamborghini and I'm looking at my Ferrari right there. You guys are standing right there, man." <laughs> <laughs> right. That's oh funny. man, that's a good way of putting it. Yeah, but you gotta love them. I'm you know what I mean? <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. You know? I was, uh-huh. I was really, I, I really, you know who I, there's two, the two fighters that I really enjoyed watching in the W WSB uh, was Chris Pearson and uh-huh. uh, Rasheen Warner, man. And it was just sad right. that they never really, really met that full potential uh, that we, well, we had witnessed, you know? Well, well, look, uh, Rasheed was a, a three-time Olympian, the only three-time Olympian ever in the, U, for, right. for the USA, you know, and he, he did win a gold medal at the world championships and, he also won a bronze medal. I was a head, I was a coach of the USA team as well, outside of the 
being the coach of the the, uh, the Matadors at the World Series of Boxing. So I was fortunate enough to coach Rashi not only in, in, in the WSP but but also as a as a, as a as a as a national team member. So we right. remember us going to Baku, Azerbaijan in 2011. He actually the only the only member out of the USA team to medal. And and he yep. won a bronze medal at the, at the world, so you know. And then eventually he became a, he did become a world champion as a as a pro, you know. Uh, I think he made that one, maybe a couple of title defenses, but he he got there, you know. He did get and there, so, but he didn't get that you know, that. I, what I think is like that right. whole like that whole recognition, like you know, because um, uh-huh. you mentioned his name by now in the circuit of boxing fans, they they uh-huh. they'll scratch their heads, you know. Cause he's almost like, a, like you know, I, I remember like he's. Right, he was almost like the captain as well as the to the LA yeah. Manadors, you know. I remember everybody uh-huh. looked uh-huh. up to him because of well, his accomplishments well, to the amateurs. Correct. And, and you just mentioned Chris Pearson. It's funny that you mentioned him because I remember in the World Series of Boxing, he beat uh, Yama, Yamaguchi Falcao, which uh, right. won a bronze medal in, at the Olympic Games, right? So he beat him in, right. in the World Series of Boxing, and, 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 uh, and then he beat him again in the pros. So... He beat him twice. Uh, twice. And, uh, well, he, correct. And he's out here in California with me right now. He's actually fighting oh. on uh, on March the 28th on the undercard of Virgil, or, Virgil Ortiz at the Forum. So, yeah. Really exciting, really exciting middleweight, man. And I, I watched that because yeah. I think it was on Facebook, right? They they, they mm-hmm. aired that fight, that rematch. Mm-hmm. And, it, you know, and they had a good mm-hmm. little build up to that. But right. I'm going to move away, right? I'm gonna move away mm-hmm. uh, from that a bit here. I want to ask you. But a lot of a lot of fight fans, and especially like new fight fans, are getting in the game. They've never mm-hmm. even stepped into the ring. They've never put on gloves. But a lot of people don't understand like the sacrifices that a, that a trainer has to do, coach. You know, mm-hmm. a lot of a lot mm-hmm. of these a lot of these people don't get that. You know, when, and what I mean by sacrifices, I've spoken to so <clears> many <throat> different trainers and coaches that say, you know, they've had to front the money. You know, they they've had to sacrifice Absolutely. time away from family and work. To develop mm-hmm. these kids and get them there, and the heartbreaks that you guys guys get delivered, you know, because mm-hmm. everybody brings up Andy Ruiz, the the breakup mm-hmm. of Andy Ruiz. But but let's be honest here, you're a trainer. How many times have you got with a kid that had major talent but just didn't have his heart mm-hmm. into the sport or the dedication you brought to help him get there? Mm-hmm. Well, time and time again, you know, I mean, just like any and just like any other sport, right? I mean. Uh, you know, with with uh, boxers in particular, sometimes you, you you may have an athlete that has a promising future, but they just they for whatever reason they they quit along the way because they run out of patience or or the money isn't there or the hunger is no longer there. Then you got to do it for all the right reasons. And one one thing in, in boxing is that you got to have a lot of patience. Boxing is a game of patience, man. I mean, things don't happen overnight. You know what I mean? It just it takes. It's boxing's different from any other sport, you know. Where, where as as a as a NFL player, you know, you get picked, you know, you 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 get drafted into the NFL, you get a big check, you get a big signing bonus like you would in the NBA or Major League Baseball. Boxing's different. I mean, boxing is just it's it's it, it takes a lot of hard work and dedication, and 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 patience again to to really make it to to. To to where you can really start making money, you know it takes a long time, and uh, and, and like I said, if, if the money isn't there, like you mentioned Javier Torres, if the money isn't there, then 
you know, right. you, you got a family you, you got to support and you don't have no, sometimes you have no option but to quit boxing to get a full-time job because you got to support your family, you know. And it's a, I've always called boxing a poor man's sport, you know what I mean? Absolutely. Because yep. Look at, go visit, go visit the gyms, you know, go visit the boxing gyms, go visit the, the, the boxing gyms at the, at the local communities and, and, you know, here in LA in particular, and you'll see that, that most boxing gyms are not, you know, they're, they're not well equipped. They're not, right. you, know, you know, they don't have a, a, a state of the art, a state of the art facilities, if you will. Uh, they're, they're very modest. You know what I mean? And, right. And, but some of the biggest boxing stars come out of these gyms, you know, because they're hungry. Exactly. You know what I mean? They're, they're, they're hungry to, to become successful there. And you got to have that hunger, you know. Most boxers come from the hood, man. They come from the ghetto. You know what I mean? And, exactly. And sometimes it's their only way out. Boxing yep. is the only way out. I mean, they don't have any other choice. They don't have right, no right. Other, uh, other boxing or you end up in prison, you know? Yeah. That's the reality. That is. You, sorry, David. No, Manny. This is Amilcar speaking. You mentioned the your experience going overseas to Baku and the World Championships. I think the main difference between a lot of these other countries, where the boxers obviously also come up tough, is that they then have like a state infrastructure behind them that gives them access to the gyms and to trainers mm-hmm. that can make a living off of coaching amateur boxing because. They essentially work for the state, for the government. Do do you yes, see, you know, anything like that happening at all in 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 the United States? Because yes. I definitely see the projection of where boxing is going aligned with with that issue. Yeah, you, you're one hundred percent correct on that. I, I mean, unfortunately, I've been able to travel travel the world. I've been in many different countries where, uh, you know, the, the amateur system supported by the government. Yes. Yeah. Where uh, here in the United States, it's uh, USA Boxing. It's actually a nonprofit, a nonprofit organization where, you know, the, the, the we we depend on on, uh, uh, on on people making contributions to keep that USA Boxing afloat. So if right. the money isn't there, then what do you do? I mean, we're not, you know, the most powerful country in the world, which is the USA, and here we are, here we are with USA Boxing. If the money isn't there, then how do we travel? How do we right. get to international competitions? How do we get our our USA team that that exposure exposure that's so greatly needed? But we don't have the money. We don't have the infrastructure, as you said. Where in other countries like Mexico and countries in South America, Colombia, Argentina, you, you, Brazil, they're they're able to travel all over the world because they have the support of the government. And and these are much poorer countries too, right? I mean, they're much poorer countries. You Absolutely, know, these are two third world countries, and they're able to travel. Look at Cuba. You yeah, know, they're, they're, they're a powerhouse when it comes to amateur boxing, because they're able to travel. They're they're able to to compete, if you will, and that's something that that we need here in in, in the USA. We need a better infrastructure, and and obviously, you know, we need the money. We need the resources. I'm sure you saw AJ uh, around that time. Um, Absolutely, and Anthony Joshua and. The, the British government made a big effort going into the 2012 games where essentially the government took over amateur boxing and gave guys like Robert McCracken a salary and gave a stipends to, to you know, people like uh, Anthony Joshua, um, Billy Joe Saunders, um, uh-huh. jo- uh, the 
135 pound lightweight uh, that won the gold. Uh, can't remember his name off mm-hmm. the top of my head. Um, mm-hmm. The guy that that that, that lost to Lomachenko, Luke yeah, Campbell. Bill, uh, yeah, Campbell. yeah, I got you, Luke Campbell. These, yes, these guys, Campbell. yeah, these guys were all. You know, they had their apartments, they had a stipend, they had a trainer mm-hmm. that was that was, you know, full time essentially a mm-hmm. uh, guy working for the government. You know, I'm at the point right now where I almost think that if the United States is going to have a breakthrough, kind of the way England has had uh, in the last few years, mm-hmm. especially since 2012, that that kind of situation uh, needs to occur. Is that something that you've discussed with other trainers that maybe you know you you can start start lobbying for and point to these examples? Absolutely. Well, look, there's got to be an incentive for for uh, for amateur for our top our top amateur athletes to stay. As amateurs, you know, they got to, again, we, we're talking about being able to support your family. And if you're not making that kind of money, and if a promoter approaches you and offers you, you know, a big fat check to go pro, you're going to take it. Yeah. You know, yeah. you're not going to stick it up. And, and, and look at some of the, like, you know, look at Lumachenko. Look how long he went. I think he, he went to, how many Olympic games did he go to? Three. Two. Yeah, Two? Correct. Three, I think you know, he won two and at least three world championships. And three world championships, correct. Yeah. Right. And then, and then, oh, listen to this. And then he still joined the WSB. He didn't go directly right into the pros. He joined the yeah, WSB. Exactly. Why? Because he had an incentive. He was he was making money. You know, the yeah. government yeah. was taking care of him as an amateur, so he had no need to go pro. Yeah. You know, I think you know that's I mean? why. Where, Coach, I think ahead. that's why now we're, we see so many of these younger kids, which I disagree, signing them at 17, 18, and then we never get to see the, that development, you know, like they kind of fizzle Correct. out, right? They fizzle out like the, at the age of 21 and 22. Correct. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, you're absolutely yeah. correct. You're absolutely right. And that's one thing I've actually learned along the way is to not, not, uh, Maybe every everybody's different. Every every fight is different. Some boxers tend to mature, you know, sooner than others, if you will, you know. But uh, but that I would ne- definitely not not turn my fighters pro at seventeen, you know. Even eighteen is pushing it. You know what I mean? I talk to amateur boxers all the time and their parents about, how, you know, mm-hmm. they want to turn their kids pro. I, I just recently talked to a kid that he's seventeen years old and he's already ready to turn pro. I'm like, what's your hurry, kid? You know, right. what is your hurry to continue to fight as as an amateur, continue to get that amateur experience. If you make the team, you're able to travel because you're losing out on a lot. Look, I got a kid that's in the USA national team right now. He actually made the team. His name is Anthony Herrera and uh, one of the, my personal boxers. And he's getting ready to go to the Olympic qualifier in Argentina. But here's a kid that a year ago or so, he came to me and he said, Coach, Manny, what does it take to, to go pro? And, and and mind you, he's 114 pounds, so, you know, he's a flyweight. Yeah. And I said, look, dude, what's, I, my, recommendation, my recommendation to you is build your record, build your resume as an amateur. Mm-hmm. Don't, hmm. don't just, who's going to sign you, you know? And if they do, how, you know. What kind of signing bonus are you are you gonna are you gonna get? Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, making yeah. me what's your in other words, what's your hurry to turn pro at seventeen, eighteen years old? Build a resume. And look, this was I kid you not, man, this was a year ago and, and I told build a resume, go out there and win me some tournaments. And a year later the kid's in the USA team. You know, he's Very getting cool. you know, getting ready to qualify for the Olympic Games. You know, can imagine wow. 
If you go back a year, imagine, all right, well, you want to go pro, okay, let's turn you pro. You know what I mean? He wouldn't be in the situation. He wouldn't be in the position that he is today. At least give it a go. Give it a shot. And that goes, and that that doesn't, I'm not referring to my boxer in particular, but to any of the, any of the boxers or the coaches that are out there listening to your show and, and just to, to give it, give it, give it a shot, you know, see how far you can go. At the very least, you know what? You cannot buy experience. You're going to no. take that experience with you. And that's no. what you need to go to, to before you, you, you know, you make the decision to go, to go pro. You need experience. And that's Absolutely. one thing that all of you, that's one thing that all of these international boxers, you know, that we just, that we're just talking, that's one thing they have, the international experience. But it, it starts with what? From the ground up. It starts with USA Boxing. It starts Absolutely. with our, our foundation, you know? And yeah, that's you know, they, that's that, it goes back to that old saying is uh, the tool doesn't make the man. It's the man that makes the tool. And they need those tools in order to, to progress and get, to get you know, where you're going, you know? Uh, yes, let me... Thinking about what you guys are saying real quick, uh, David, uh-huh. and even this past fight at the Barclays Center this week, you can almost kind of see Robert Hellenius falling back on, you know, whatever number of amateur fights he had, because he had an extensive amateur career as well. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You know, being able to see all those different styles and being in tough moments from from the teenage years through the 20s kind of does prepare right. you for, for those moments for, for, when, absolutely. when you got to dig deep. And, and it's uncomfortable. Right, you're 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 absolutely correct. And not only that, it, we think about the you, th- you talk about the experience and the and the years that 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 he was, you know, that he was a, an amateur then pro, but also the like, the defeats that come along the way with that. You know, the the yeah. thing is what had a couple has a has a couple of defeats, and yeah. I think that that also was educational. That also helped him right to get to to this point. You know. I, I always tend to, to think and to say that, that, that you learn more from your defeats than you do from your wins. So, Absolutely. you know, when you go through situations such as what he's been able to go through and then you put yourself, you, you know, you put yourself in another situation, you get another opportunity like the one, like the one he had on Saturday, then he, 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 he's old enough and he's mature enough to get, through the, to get through the war, you know, to get through the, the obstacle, if you will. Hmm. Exactly. I, I, I know our, our, you know, in our chat room, people are getting arrested. They want to know about Andy Ruiz. We'll get to those questions, guys. But really quick, I got one more question <laughs> that doesn't relate Andy Ruiz. Uh, mm-hmm. We just witnessed Deontay Wilder lose his WC crown uh, to Tyson Fury in the rematch. And whoa, whoa, the whoa. towel was thrown in by Mark uh, Abreland. And, uh, but yeah. the excuses kind of rolled out here, Coach. Right. Have you have you heard about the, the the tampering with the gloves that the accusation that now fans are coming up with, or do you think uh, this man, is the same? Okay, so do you, do you think it's the same thing like when people were saying when your guy Andrew Ruiz beat AJ, everybody was saying that AJ was that he was uh, secretly um, uh, wasn't there that it was a it was a, 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 a his twin brother. Do you, I don't know if you heard that. That was a great one when I heard. Uh, <laughs> <That's> <laughs> did you hear about one, that? No. no, that's a new. One. Yeah, right. So, so let's let's get to it, man. Let's hear it because that's what people tune in. That you know, I I just wanted mm-hmm. to touch on some of the you know memory lanes with you. Um, mm-hmm. Do you ever do you do you ever expect Andy to reach out to you? 
No, no. If he does, good. If he does, look, I have no problem with Andy Reid. I uh, look, I'm, I'm, I'm good with with myself. You know what I mean? I'm, uh, I know I didn't do anything wrong. I know I did everything by the book. You know, and then you, you, you mentioned how us coaches, you know, sometimes we, you know, we, we get, we end up getting the short end of the stick. You know what I mean? And but it is what it is. I mean, I, I've been in this sport long enough to, to, to to know how to handle each and every situation, you know, and, and I'm okay. Like I said, I'm okay with myself. Um, I'm busy. I got a lot of work. Right. I'm, I'm actually heading out to New York this weekend and the following weekend I'll be in Mexico. Then the following weekend I'll be here at the forum in LA. I'm busy, man. I, I don't. And, and you got that heavyweight. Right. And you got Martin, yeah, uh, uh, Charles Martin, Martin, which, which I think I got to tell you this. I think you've made him look a lot better because when they when the uh, uh Washington fight was announced, I said that that Charles got to step it up. He can't allow you know uh, 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 the other Washington to try to box him. Right. He had to close that well, distance, yeah. and, and I saw that with with Absolutely. that in that fight. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we had a good game plan. And and then, then right. think about this, right. you know, think about this. Gerald Washington beat Hellenius. He stopped yes. him. He actually knocked him off. Yes, and he did. And goes out and he beats he beats. Kalinowski, you know, I mean, <laughs> his boxing, especially the the heavyweight division, he, right. on a good night, anybody can beat anybody, man. I mean, I picked Deontay Waller to beat Tyson Fury, you know? So did I. Yeah. <laughs> hey, you know what I'm saying? I'm not ashamed to say it, you know? Right. You know, right. A, lot, a lot of people won't come out and admit that they, you know, that maybe that they picked Deontay. I'm, I'll be the first yeah. one to say, man, I picked Deontay. Coach I picked Deontay to win by knockout. Coach Roblin, you know? so did I. It's okay. Oh, you I. didn't make a bad pick, Kenny. You didn't make a bad <laughs> pick. Wilder's <laughs> lose is uniform loss. So Wilder's still undefeated. You guys are yeah, all right. <laughs> you know? And, and, and that's, that's fine. You know, you know what I'm saying? I mean, it is what it is. And, and, and like I said, and then for Charles Martin to go out there and beat Gerald, you know, for the title eliminator, and and I always say this as well. It's not winning. It's how you win. It's how you get it done. So it was you nice said, to get it done. Nice to get I, the I victory saw, in the co-main event, you know? Right. No, no, it was great. Um, You had said on Fight Hub, in an interview with Fight Hub, that you saw the writings on the wall with Andy Ruiz that, you, you know, because you guys went to Mexico. When you came back, he just kind of disappeared. Can you Can you elaborate right. a little bit more about what you meant when you said you saw it, you saw it coming? Uh, it's very simple. When the fighter doesn't show up to the gym, I mean, you see it coming. You know, yeah. you're at the gym every day, and the fighter, you know, just one day just doesn't – he's not being consistent, you know. He's not in the gym every day. He's not showing up for for road work or strength and conditioning and, you know, finding excuses. So, you know, I mean, you, you see it coming. I mean, you know, yeah. it's not it's not hard to, to – you know, to, to figure out that, you know, they we're not moving in the right direction. And how does that adjust your game planning, Coach, in terms of, you know, you got an eight to ten-week training camp and that's going on. What what does what that adjust? Are you at that point training for a knockout? Or, you know, or you, know you, 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 hope and, you hope and pray. That's what you yeah. do. You mm. hope and you pray that, that one day your fighter wakes up and, and realizes, you know, that, that you know, the importance and the responsibility that they have, not just, you know, as being world champions, but the fans, the people, 
you know, right. and that's what I try to transmit to Andy. Look, you got a big responsibility. You know, you want to leave a right. legacy. You, but, you know, I mean, it is yeah, what it whole, is. You know, yeah. The whole country yeah, I mean, holds diaspora, diaspora behind right. them. I mean, uh, yeah. AMLO, AMLO invited him to the to, to, yeah. to, to, to I mean, day too, after he met with the know, president. I met with the president, met with, you know, politicians and Mexico, not, not just that, but he made fans all over the world, not just Mexican fans, right. but yeah. fans in America, from every, because every, he made everybody believe, you know, he made everybody, you know, have faith, and that, hey, listen, if this guy can do it, I can do it, you know, and then all of a sudden, you know. <laughs> when did you stop believing, though? When, Coach, when did you stop believing? When you I, arrived honestly, to Saudi or before that? No, no there was no, no point. You guys still thought when you were in, in Saudi that that you you guys still had a chance knowing though that he didn't even train you, you, properly. You always have a ch- you always have a chance. You know, hmm. I you know honestly I believe that if 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 if, if uh, Joshua stands there and 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 makes it a slugfest with Andy, I believe Andy knocks him out. Right. But he had you know uh, he had a, he had a, I mean look we look look we lost by decision. Yeah, it sounded like he went out there and got stopped in two or three rounds. It's, you know, we lost by unanimous decision, and, and and Joshua decided to go out there and box, make it a boxing match. And obviously, you know, uh, I believe that if Andy would have been in, in better shape, yes, we, he would have been able to be quicker on his feet. You know, better reflexes would 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 have been able to cut off the ring, and you know, but but he wasn't in shape. You know, I mean, so, so twenty to thirty twenty to thirty pounds makes the biggest difference, as I know you well know, Coach. And you know, yes, you just said it yourself. You can't close a different distance. You're not going to have quick feet if you're carrying around all right. that extra weight, and if exactly. you're not in shape. Because yeah, I, I exactly. still think to this day that if he had shown up ready for camp in reasonable shape, mm-hmm. and then. You guys had the camp that that obviously you're capable of of, of steer steerheading. That you guys would have knocked out. You guys would have knocked out AJ. I still believe that. Yeah, I mean, well, I I believe the outcome would have mm. been would have been different. You know, I believe yeah. it would it would at the very least because I respect Anthony Joshua. He's a great athlete and he's a he's a great you know person, great boxer, great person, great human being. So I wish him nothing but the best. Uh, and but I I I honestly believe that if Andy would have would have shown up in better shape, we would have had a better chance to defeat Joshua. That's for sure. Well, is the door open? Right where he touched him up, and where he didn't really follow through because I don't think mm-hmm. he was in shape to do it. Correct. No. Correct. Plain yeah. and simple. Yeah. Plain and simple. Is the door is the door still open, Coach? I mean, if Andy's just just you know the Look, right wind moving in through the doors. I don't know, man. Uh-huh. I, 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 I honestly, I'm, I'm busy. Thank God, I'm, I'm busy. I have a, I have a, a big stable. I, I'm all, you know, I got a lot of boxers that I work with, and, and I'm, I'm, you know, life goes on. I'm busy. I don't have time. Somebody asked me, "Are you upset?" I don't have time to be upset. I'm too busy to be upset. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm in a good, I'm in a good situation. I'm in a good place. You know, I just became a grandfather. You know, I have two oh, congratulations. Congrats. Yeah. yeah. You know? Back to back, you know, uh, grandbaby. So, you know, I uh, I'm I'm cool, man. I'm I'm happy. I'm you know I, you know my my wife, my kids, my granddaughters. Uh, I mean, so I'm I'm in I'm enjoying life, and I, and I still do what I love to do, which is 
to to be involved in boxing to coach you know i manage a couple fighters i i i i i you know coach quite a quite a few fighters you know what i mean so you know they should you know with the the, the uh Charles martin fight was was great it was a great win for us because now you know he gets, he's going to get a crack at the world title hopefully soon and that's what you work for it doesn't stop it right. keeps going you know you know I, I'll, I'll tell you this attitude to have right but I, I'll tell you this coach that yeah. all especially our listeners when I announced that you were going to be on the show um they all were like hey tell coach Manny man we love him you know, tell them, you know, you. you know, we, we still support you. You're the best coach out there. And, and there still Thank hasn't you. been a let up of forgiveness in, cer- in a certain sense of to, to Ruiz yet, you know? Um, nah. And, and I like, I still, I still am a fan of Andy. I think Andy, you know, mm-hmm. I think Andy is, is the, in my opinion right now, I think he's the, the Riddick bow of the heavyweight division. He's got right. all the tools, but just doesn't like yeah. to put it to work. You know, right, let right. me ask you this exactly. because I I've always seen it, and actually one of our, one of our listeners right now he had said um uh, I can't even see I I wrote that but can't fight but he had asked contracts and I'm pretty sure you've been asked about this if not I'll bring it up you know a lot of fans mm-hmm. were like how come Coach Manny didn't have a contract with Andy Ruiz you know it, it, could this have happened if they would have had a contract but but my understanding right. there's really not. There's really never ever been made a contract between a trainer and a fighter, right? Yes, sir. Not for coaches. That's why, you know, coaches are treated the way they're treated. You know, in a lot of situations, you know, they get let that? go with. Why? Why is there no know, no, I mean, no contract? Look, look, man. I, I, like I said from the beginning, from the get go, boxing it's different. It's 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 uh, it's a different sport, man. It's not. You know, we don't have a commission. We don't, we don't, you know, we don't have a, uh, a, 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 a union, uh, you know what I'm saying? Where, 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 uh, coaches can be protected or they can have a, we, we can be put in a better situation. We don't have that. You know, we got managers in boxing that charge their fighters 33 and a third percent. I think that's insane. <laughs> you know what you know what I'm saying? I mean, yeah, and, yeah and it only Hollywood, in boxing. Hollywood agents make like ten percent, but boxing managers get thirty three and a third. Thirty three. Come on, man. You know, <laughs> it's crazy. You know what I'm I, saying? I mean, I think that's you one know, way though that trainers have kind of protected themselves at times when they were both manager and trainer. You know, like uh, JD is with uh, with Deontay, and I can correct of many others. I know. Emmanuel Stewart was a was a manager and trainer at Correct. the same time. Correct. Is there any Correct. other way to protect yourself other than doing that? I I don't know. We got to start a commission. We got to start yeah. a, a national commission, I, not not yeah. low. And then you know we got to start a, some type of a union. You know, coach union. I was going to say. You know. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, it'd be nice to to you know for us coaches to somehow you know get together and have our voices heard, man, because, you know, if not, the same thing will continue to happen time and time again. I know. It's so sad. Yeah. You know, I've t- I, I don't want to bring up names like name drop, but I remember speaking to um, a, a trainer, a coach one time, very respected one in the game, mm-hmm. and he was like, hey, you're not guaranteed to get paid. The fighter can really opt not even to pay you. Like, he oh, can yeah. just disappear. That's- you know what I mean? Yes, sir. And it happened to mm-hmm. him, you know, and that's just, that's just, I- that's crazy. Yeah. And, you know, and it's happened. It's actually it's actually happened to me. Not for, luckily not for big money. Uh-huh. <laughs> Fortunately enough for me, 
But but right. uh, but yeah, it's happened. We're like, shoot, you know, the fighter he fights today and he's gone tomorrow. Like, where the hell did he go with my percentage? <laughs> <laughs> he's in Tijuana. Yeah. my percentage. Oh man, no, oh. it happened. Uh. Definitely. And then you see on Instagram, he's on. He's it, it, then you see on Instagram, he's in Disneyland. You're like, oh, they're 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 with my money. <laughs> there goes my petty on everything. Yeah, hey, D D Style Boxing, who does a do does a podcast on on uh, Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and and Thursdays. He's got a question for you. His question is on the chat room. It says, he says, uh, 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 Coach Manny Rubio's, uh, I have a, do you have a different approach to heavyweight fighters to other weight classes? Absolutely. Heavyweights are trained differently. You can't, I mean, you got to work hard, but you know, you can't be skipping training. Like we just, you know, we're talking about Andy. You can't be skipping training. You got to be at the gym every day. You got to work hard. Maybe in a a different way, you know, you, you, but, but you definitely, I mean, look, I've had like, let me tell you, Dominic Brazil, which I I used to work with as well. Way back as an amateur, you know, I, I worked with them with, as an amateur and, he made, you know, he became an Olympian. Then as a pro, he was a very, very dedicated fighter, very dedicated. And he came from a, uh, a football background. Maybe, maybe that's what that was as well. You know, very dedicated, very uh, uh, had a had a, had a great work ethic. Maybe, maybe didn't have the skills that that, that perhaps someone like An- uh, Andy Reese has or Anthony Joshua. But he was deaf. But his hard work made up for it. You know what I mean? He right. worked just as hard. He worked just as hard as a welterweight did, or a lightweight, or a flyweight. This guy was a workhorse, you know. And look, and look Charles Martin. He's the same way. He's he's very de- very dedicated. He works extremely hard. He's eager to learn, eager to get better. I, I think it, it depends a lot on the on the individual, you know. How bad right. do you want it? How hungry are you? Mm. You know, you know, and and that, that's that's the bottom line. I have I have a question. I got one more question for you, I believe. Uh, unless I, something else pops into my head, you never know, man. Uh, but what? Actually, no, I do. I have two. Here's my first one about Andy no Ruiz. Okay, he's put on uh-huh. Instagram. He's been posting on Instagram. He's working out. He's getting in shape. He was on a uh, a short um, segment on PBC on Fox about him being back in shape, but no announcement of a trainer. What's the reading that you have about that? I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't follow him, so I don't know. <laughs> you know do you find I'm it saying? strange, though, I, Coach? Coach, do you find it strange that, that he still hasn't found a trainer? Or is it because the kid's been in boxing for a long time? A lot of folks think he just kind of kind of came out of the cracks, but he's been around the circuit no. for a very long time. Hey, and listen, he knows what he's listen, doing, man. right? Right. I don't know that he knows what he's doing. But I can tell you, I, 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 I work with Andy. I have nothing bad to say about Andy. Andy, mm-hmm. he's a very skilled fighter. I said it before we, we fought Joshua, but most people didn't know who Andy was. Andy right. is a skilled fighter, man. He's very skilled. He's, you know, don't, don't, don't let uh, looks, don't let the looks, you know. Uh, 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 deceive you. you know, deceive you. Thank you. Right. And because right. he's got talent and and I believe Andy has the talent to become a world champion again. You know what I mean? But he's got to want it. He does, it. He does you know but saying? he has to put the stickers down. He has to put the stickers down. Yeah. You know, what's he doing? I don't know. I mean, I don't, I don't <laughs> coach him anymore. Right. You know what I'm saying? I don't coach him anymore. I don't. He never called me when he left, to, you know, to tell me that he was, you know, that he was going to go elsewhere. He never did. 
and right. and that's fine, you know, that's fine. I, like I said, I'm good with myself. I'm good. I know I didn't do anything wrong. I I know that I did the best I could, and 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 I wish him nothing but the best. I nothing but success. But he's gotta want it, man. And there's no doubt in my mind that he he can become a world champion again. But he's just gotta he's gotta wake up, man. He's gotta want it. And right. it's kind of hard when you you got all that money in the bank now, man. You're a millionaire now, and you know you were broke one day, and all of a sudden the next day you know you. Find, you got a bunch of million, a bunch of millions in the bank. I mean, shit. How do you how do you get motivated? I don't know. Right. He's different. How does He's different. How, how does how does Deontay Wilder get back? How does he put himself back together, man? To ta- to ask you, coach. But how does he get himself back together? You know, I I actually saw a post on Instagram today that mm-hmm. uh, that uh, something that that uh, Buddy McGirt mentioned that he doesn't need a trainer. He needs a teacher. Right. He said that here on the show, right. on, on, on one of our shows oh, on the network. Oh, yeah. was that your show? Yeah. Okay, well, yeah. there you go. I guess I must have been, I must have been looking at your Instagram. <laughs> and, oh, so you, you know so, what? so you follow me, Coach, but you don't follow Andy. No, I, well, I, 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 <laughs> listen, man, I, 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 I had to know what I was getting myself into before I got right. on the phone. You know? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> you know, so I got to, you know, I mean, he couldn't have said it better, Buddy McGirt. You know? Right. Uh, he needs a he needs a teacher, you know. That's what he needs. Right. And and, uh, and if he's gonna fight Tyson Fury again, then you know he needs to get with it, you know. And and then his his coaches, his current coaches, the Walder's coaches, they have to allow someone someone else to come in, and to to help them. Yes. And, yes. And, and uh, you know, a teacher, as Buddy McGirt mentioned. I know Anthony Joshua did. I know he brought someone else into the camp, you know, for this fight versus versus Andy. So he right. he was prepared, you know. Mo, mo, a lot of people may might not agree with with uh, with this with with his game plan or, or 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 the way he fought versus versus Andy, but it worked, and he won, and yeah. he's a world champion again. And then you got to commend him for it. So you know, absolutely, it doesn't always have to be pretty. Just get the get it yep. done. Get the job done. You know. Well, my final and last question for you here, um, Coach, is uh, the state of the heavyweight division. Other than your fighter, what other fighter out there do you have in the heavyweight division that you have your eye on and that you that he excites he excites you? Oh man! Well, Kawanaki excited me, but he lost on time. <laughs> <laughs> what do you he got, what do you think of Daniel Triple D Dubois, Coach? Yeah, say that again. What do you think of Daniel Triple D Dubois out of England, out of London? Mm, good. He's a good fighter. There's some good fighters out there, man. There's some very good fighters out there that uh, uh that it's just a matter of time before they get an opportunity. What about the Cuban kid that fought on Saturday? Uh, uh, Sanchez. I don't know what it's. Frank, yeah, Frank there you go. Yeah, yeah, there you go. He's we spoke about him earlier. Right, he's a pretty good fighter, right? You know, I mean, I think the the heavyweight division is definitely in a in a good situation right now. It's in a good place, especially with the Tyson Fury. I mean, what he did to Deontay, again, not it's not winning. It's how you win. It's how you get yeah. it done. It's like, wow, yeah. he, man, he he definitely definitely put up a, put on a great show. And mm-hmm. obviously, uh, 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 you know, Anthony Joshua being a world champion again and, 
you know, right. uh, even 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 Andy. I mean, he's just got to get it together. If he gets it together, man, he can he can definitely give somebody a run for their money. You know, so we got we we got some pretty good pretty good fighters in the in the weight in the heavyweight division. That's for sure. Do you still have the legend gym going, Coach? No, no, I'm actually at a new location. I'm actually here and obviously okay. here in L.A., but it's uh I got a new location here in L.A. Uh, things are going well. You know, it's a new gym and pretty excited about it. And and you know, I'm busy, man, busy. For sure. That's great, man. That's beautiful. Well, you know, Coach Manny uh, Robles here on Leaving the Ring. I want to thank you again, man, for coming on. It was, it was our pleasure to speak to you. I'm glad that everything's going fantastic. Can't wait to see uh, the, the other fighters that you're that you're producing and working with. Again, mm-hmm. good night, bro, and uh, appreciate it. Appreciate you guys. You guys thank have a good night, okay? Thank you for having you me. You too. Have Bye. a good night. Thank you. Bye. Have a good Bye. one. Bye-bye. Well, there you go. I hope everybody got their... Uh, Questions answered here on Leaving the Ring. Don't forget, okay, please uh, subscribe to the channel, press like, and hit that little notification bell um, on the right-hand side so that you guys can be notified when we're up live and when other shows that circuit through the network come on live and you can tune in and listen to. Um, <clears throat> I don't know what this guy was saying. If you haven't already, what a whatever. Anyways, hit the like, <laughs> hit the like button. Uh, follow Leave It in the Ring on Twitter. Uh, if you want, you can follow me and Kenny as well. Uh, thanks to all our listeners for the support. This has been a long show. I always wonder if I can last for these long shows, and I end up really enjoying the the interview. I know. Right, Dave? Yeah, you tell me, like, I can't do this. I, I, there's no way I can stay up, you know? And I feel bad because I'm like, damn, because this, sometimes this is the only time they can come on. So I yeah, end up writing, yeah. like, I, I get my, my preparation. I'm like, okay. And I keep looking at the screen to see or on the phone to see, is he dropping off or is it? I'm like, nope, he's staying on. So I'm over <laughs> hogging up the interview. So I apologize. <laughs> apologize it's after all good. you, man. It's all good. Anyways, good, uh, sorry, man. we're try- reading and, and on all that. Everybody, uh, the PRs were just thanking us for having on their Friday. Again, we'll be back on Monday night at 5 p.m. Pacific and 8 p.m. Eastern time. Myself, Dave Duenas, with my co-host Emil Carr and their producer, Kenny T, here on Leave Ring. If you missed the show, don't worry about it. The replay will come right back up, and uh, you'll get to tune in to listen to uh, uh, Super IBF, IBF Super Middleweight, champion uh caleb plant who he had a lot to say about his division and about david benavides and as well as canelo saul canelo alvarez then we had brandon lee that's a junior welterweight you got to keep an eye out for be fighting this uh friday on showtime march 13 again fellas everybody have a great night don't drink and drive because you will spill your beer thank have you great night take care everybody ladies and gentlemen Damas y caballeros.